January 8, 2022. This is The Better Life. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. Living a better life means uh, getting slaughtered on a day of sports betting. That happened to me today as I was waiting to record this monologue. I was sweating out some bets in what I call my witching hour. Uh, Of course, I've taken that from watching Red Zone and the such. Uh, But my witching hour in any day is like the hour in which I have the most bets. Uh, And on a Saturday, it's usually 10 a.m. Eastern. I was watching all my bets lose uh in just uh and actually not really even like really bad beat ways just the teams i bet on didn't show up and um this happens negative variance happens not just in betting sports but it happens at the it happens at the poker tables for people who play poker happens at the casino tables for people who enjoy playing table games at the casino it happens anywhere in gambling happens anywhere in life negative variance but what's, uh, what's important is to look at, uh, when you have that negative variance, look at what you did, look at what's going on, be like, am I on the right path? Would I make those bets again? That's a big question I always ask myself. Now that I'm here, looking back, uh, do I have any more information that informs me that maybe I didn't make the right decision on these? And I think in sports, I think maybe, uh, for my case especially, my high-volume uh type of ways with sport with soccer betting especially probably not wise right now with covid running rampant uh i thought maybe i could uh maybe even get through the negative variance of covid with the higher volume but it's actually just allowing more opportunities for sort of uncertainty to strike uh and it has been 2022 has been uh tough in that sense but when i'm playing like um you know when i'm playing even at the tables when i'm playing at the machines when i'm playing at slots when i'm doing anything like that uh if i have negative variance if i hit if i took a big blow i look back hey what did i do wrong here a lot of sense a lot of times uh at the tables it usually means i didn't come in with enough money um you might think wait you, what do you mean you, you lost a bunch you don't think you came with enough yeah well you I've I've sat down and lost five or ten blackjack hands in a row, right? And so if I buy in for, you know, uh, a few hundred dollars at a twenty-five dollar table, uh, I'm practically broke if that happens, right? Um, at a slot machine, it usually means that uh, if I'm playing an angle or something like that, it usually means I didn't have enough bankroll uh, for that session. If I'm playing um, sports, like I just mentioned, and it it you know, looking back, would I make those bets again? If no, then okay, I make that adjustment moving forward, uh, tightening up where I can. So the other side of it is, uh, and this is something that I'm learning and something that I kind of want to talk to some other sports bettors about, maybe bring up on a future podcast, is um, if you follow me on on uh, Twitter at my sort of soccer betting handle, BetTheUSL, you'll know that uh, once once a day or so, I'll tweet out a play that I like or a play that I've made. And I've realized that since since that has become routine, I have found myself looking at bets through the lens of what will win and not what has value. Not for all my bets, but as I'm like that's usually the first place that I go. Um, and that's not what I made my reputation on. That's not what I built my bankroll on. I built my bankroll in, in soccer, often betting the heavier underdogs that I felt like could compete uh, at a better clip than the odds were giving it and are giving that team. So something that I'm trying to turn back around is not worry so much about providing winning plays on Twitter or anybody who follows me or just for myself, 
but focused on making sure that I'm getting expected value out of every play. Now I'm not I'm not forcing anything for the sake of a win. I'm still I'm still picking and tweeting out these plays uh, because I think there's value, but I have realized that I'm more more quickly to determine that I like uh, maybe a favorite that I think is too short than I am to choose a dog that I think is too long, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, that's just that's the introspectiveness that I have uh, right now, specifically today, January 8th. It is 2022. Happy New Year to everybody. Kicking off the year with a better viewing episode. Shortly after that, we will talk uh, to Michael Traeger uh, with some brief thoughts on Zorkfest. I meant to get something out, of course, before the end of the year on Zorkfest, but scheduling was just difficult with people. Uh, and I wanted to have a dialogue more than a monologue, so ultimately nothing happened there. And then after the conversation with Michael, I'm going to go over a handful of things involving the better life, specifically what is going to be happening in the near future and in 2022, what you can expect from the better life and some developments I'm excited about, some changes uh, that um, that I think are good. And uh, yeah, so we'll start with Better viewing with Mark Duvall. Thank you, everybody, who showed up in the stream early this week to hang out with us and chat. We went over The House and Uncut Gems. Enjoy. It's good intro music, isn't it? Yeah. I like it. Uh, it gets me hyped. Even when I listen to my own stuff back, I'm like, oh, I, if I was a listener, I'd be hyped listening to that. That's right. Vito's intro music I really enjoy as well. There's something yeah. about like that, da, 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 like it puts me a little, like a little bop to my stuff and I'm listening to Vito's stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mark Duvall from You Can Bet On That. Sir, 2021 was an amazing year for for the 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 Tim and Mark show. Yeah. Uh, we did about a dozen better viewing episodes. We hung out in Vegas a couple times. Uh, yeah. We collaborated on a couple uh, better life episodes outside of all of that. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, good, good run for the Tim and Mark show. Yeah, here. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are, uh, not fresh off of Zorkfest anymore. Uh, it's hard to believe that that was like three weeks ago or something yeah. like that. Like it, the holiday season, of course, flies by. Right. Uh, I have not put out any Zorkfest content yet because, uh, because of the holidays yeah. uh i was hopeful but uh apparently scheduling with people during the holidays is difficult so yeah. um a couple things that i wanted to talk to you about here uh regarding Zorkfest as we get people uh coming into the stream first i like plaza i don't love plaza yeah um yeah, yeah. and i know i mentioned this um I mentioned this to a few of you at Zorkfest, and I think it still holds true. I will still, I still like, will go to Plaza. I will still go there, especially if other people are there. But like, if if Zorkfest or any other um, event was at Plaza again, I might stay next door. Yeah, I, you know, the, after this last trip, a host reached out to me from Circa. Oh. And, you know, I could see now staying at Circa when I go downtown. And if there isn't an event taking place at Plaza, maybe not even going over there. It's not yeah. a it's not a must do when I'm it's downtown. Not. Circa is. I think that Golden Gate is. 
uh, I guess that's really it <laughs> right now. Those are my kind of my two spots and everything else is, oh yeah, sure. Let's go over there. But I wouldn't think, oh, we got to get over to Plaza. Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, they're doing a good job. It, it's kind of like at the, at Zorkfest, Oscar Goldman was talking about how he was talking to Johnson Jossel saying, this place is a dump talking about Plaza. Yeah. And Jossel, I think really has turned it around. I mean, it, I think he's done a great job. Uh, so it's not a dump like it used to be, but it's not really a destination for me. And I could, Hey, you want to go to Plaza? Yeah. You want to go to four Queens? Yeah. You want to go to the D? Yeah. You want to go to the downtown grand? Yeah. Circa golden gate. Those are the two that I'm always going to go to. Yeah. Uh, I've stayed there three times now. Um, I stayed there one time. The first time I stayed there was for the 2019, uh, G2E. It was this really sort of weird. I was there for a few day or I was there. I got to play for a few days and then G2E happened. Right. And yeah, so it was difficult for me to keep my play up. And so yeah. I wasn't sure if like my weekend was hosted, like could be comps based on, but they, of course they look at the, the entirety of their play. So it was difficult to be like, look, I gave you a bunch of play <laughs> over the weekend. You yeah. know, uh, the host I was working with was out or whatever. And it, whatever. Uh, then I stayed there for this G2E. I ended up, uh, you know, I, working a professional relationship with Zorkfest. I got a whole, I got, you know, I started working with Lisa a lot more. Um, so I ended up staying there for Zorkfest again, give it, you know, two years later, let's give it another shot. I don't dislike it. Right. Like I, I like, right. right. Like th there's, I think I even mentioned this um, for, th for the Zorkfest trip after coming off a very frustrating, like day and a half at Luxor, like when I walked in the plaza, like I calmed down, like I felt yeah. familiar, right? There I was like, go. ah, here we go, yeah. downtown Vegas. Like this is more my scene. But the food is good, not great. Mm. The gambling is good, not great. Mm -hmm. Um, the the only thing <laughs> this is gonna the great thing coming out of Plaza are the people. Uh, yeah. not mm -hmm. the dealers necessarily. We I, we <laughs> all had uh, this was one thing, unfortunately, that rang true. At least five or six people that I talked to, and those are just people I talked to, said that they had had a unfortunate dealer interaction, even outside of the one that you know we had spoken about. The guy, you know, br uh, bringing up politics at the table. Yeah. Um, go ahead. That's Did a shame. I mean, I yeah, I I kind of agree with you. You know, it's funny. There's there's nothing special about the rooms, at least the ones that I've stayed in. Uh, you know, the last the last time we went when we were October. And I was kind of talking about, yeah, the plaza, I you know, I really enjoyed it. And then my wife was later asking me, well, you know, would you take me there? And I said, oh, no. <laughs> you know, kind of like, no, I yeah. wouldn't take you to plaza. Right? So I wouldn't take my wife there. You know, I'd, I'd want to stay someplace nicer. I will say this. This is kind of silly. I love the elevators there. The elevators were always fast. You know, they were, they always, you know, you didn't have to wait that long. Aside from that one real scary one where the door <laughs> opened and closed super slow. <laughs> That I would send on its way if it opened. I'd go in and press a button and go back. Right. Aside from that, the elevator situation there is really good. <laughs> so it's, it's you know, I, I like that. I like you bringing that up because I agree almost on, like, if anybody asked me, should I go to Plaza? The answer isn't no, but it's mm -hmm. not like, it's not like a yes either. Like, yeah. it's so, it's so. You know, Eric and I talked about, like, we 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 want to love the Plaza. We just can't get there. We like it. Yeah. Right? We like it, but we don't love it the same way we love playing craps at Golden Gate. We don't like it or we don't love it or, you know, we don't enjoy it as much as go, obviously going over the Circa. Um, I like it probably as much as I might like the D and because and so th 
one thing I have a hard time getting past with this, and uh, and look, th- this sounds like I'm taking this opportunity to like vent and and poop on Plaza. That's not what this yeah. is about. This is just exactly. reflecting right. on my right. time there. And I this was the frustrating part. I was playing at Steven's properties intermittently during Zorkfest. I'd wander out. I'd either play some a table game at Circa with you. I'd wander. There was there's a Buffalo Diamond Machine right on the corner right there of Fremont. I'd wander in there, and if there was yeah. a play there, I'd play it. I ate on more comps from my Club One account off my play occurring naturally there than I've ever gotten even up front from from plaza and i'm not look my play does not deserve to be just like rewarded but when you just do a one-to-one comparison you know it's like it's difficult to get past that that at the property i'm playing at the property that i'm staying and doing at least half my playing at isn't rewarding me the same way that a property that i'm just sort of walking in and out of occasionally Mm -hmm. you know and so it's yeah yeah well we talked about when we went over to golden gate I just said, hey, let's go up to the Players Club and see if we have any free play. And we both did, yep. right? You know, just I, I, I know I got flyers for it. I just couldn't have remembered. But, you know, mine was significant. And I had, like you said, I, you know, I've given them a decent amount of play, but I was kind of surprised at how much they gave. Yeah. I will, uh, let me give a props to Plaza for one more kind of little thing here. So uh, most of Zorkfest took place on, uh, I guess it was their third floor where their conference center is, you know, conference room, that kind of thing. And there's a bank of video poker right outside. It's a kind of, you know, thing, almost like an afterthought or more like, okay, conventioneers or, you know, when they're coming out to kind of relax or have a smoke or whatever, here's a bank of machines for them. And uh, I was surprised when I went up to it, nine, six jacks or better on yep. throwaway machines, you know, things that you'd, I was expecting to see like six, five. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so props to them for that, at least. Quiet <laughs> uh, boy uh, agreeing. Nothing bad, nothing great. I mean, that's really right. Yeah, we're is... not complaining. It's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I will say, though, uh, and I, I alluded to this earlier, like working with them professionally has been outstanding. Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah. And that's where that's where I'll continue working with them. Um, you know, early in the podcast, I got an I got an interview with Jonathan Jossel when the Better Life was an uh, still sort of a no name podcast, right? Oh, right? Um, and more con- and more recently, you know, they allow filming at table games when you have uh when you have enough leeway. Filming at a slot machine is a quick email or text to Lisa saying you're going to and for about how much and how long. Yeah. And that's about it. And that is something they're doing that no other casino is embracing quite the way that they are. Um, Working with them for Zorkfest was extremely easily. So as I mentioned uh, before, I, you will still see me in the Plaza, but it'll likely be because I'm doing something there professionally. And yeah. So big props to Plaza on what they're doing uh, business wise. They just still have, they're just, it's, the margin between what what you can get from them and what can, you can get across the street, either at Circa or at Golden Gate, is just enough to be like, I'd rather be across the street. Yeah. Now, take a look at this comment that came up here from Pay the Line. How does Plaza compare with, say, Golden Nugget? Not Golden Gate, but Golden Nugget. Um, I, I will start saying, uh, well, you're going to get a better gamble at Plaza. Yep. Golden Nugget is like a strip property in more ways than one, and one of them is the the gamble that they give you. Um, you're going to get nicer rooms for sure at Golden Nugget. Uh, it, and again, it's more like a strip property than Plaza. Uh, 
and I mean, we were talking about dealers. Uh, I've never had great dealers at Golden Nugget as far as personality goes. Uh, I've had better personalities at Plaza, even though, as you mentioned, there were a couple of issues when we were there. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know that I've a- I I asked you straight up at Zorkfest. We don't talk about Golden Nugget. Like it, <laughs> it, it like like yeah. since since before the pandemic, I haven't heard anybody talk about Golden Nugget. And it's probably because there's this big shiny thing of downtown now. As Pay the Line points out, Plaza gets spoken about a lot in this community, <laughs> yeah. right? We, I mean, I tell everybody to go play craps at Golden Gate. Golden Nugget is a property that rarely ever gets brought up. Yeah, Golden Nugget does have more open on the casino. It's a bigger yes. casino. They have right. more tables. They have more slots. So when I said you're, you're, you get a better gamble at Plaza, I'm talking about 10 times odds on craps. I'm talking about single zero roulette. I'm talking about full pay video poker, that kind of thing. But yeah, Gold Nugget is a bigger casino and they certainly have more tables open. One thing you and I talked about, because we, we talked about Gold Nugget when we were on the trip, this this exact thing. A Gold Nugget downtown is at least known for poker. If you're talking about downtown and poker, you really only are talking about Golden Nugget. Uh, none of the other casinos, even if they offer poker, kind of compare to what Golden Nugget offers uh, in poker. So, I mean, that's yeah. one thing they've got going for them. Uh, so yeah, in as far as Plaza is concerned, uh, my my recap is, I I good, not great. I would expect I would expect every low roller to go there to have a decent time. You might even have a good time. Yeah. Um, but there's Plaza just has so much to compete with just on that corner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. but. The reason why people are singing their praises is, especially from the podcasting community, as content creators, they are so pro content yeah. that it is just so easy to work with them. I yeah. like when when Lisa first told me that all I needed was to, was it was a thousand dollar buy in, twenty five dollar minimum, and we could record on the Pi Gal table. Mark, we had that thing full. There was six yeah. of us, right? Yeah. Like it was a mm-hmm. no brainer. By the way, that's coming out soon. It's an hour oh, long. Um, I'm. I was first hesitant to put it out because my big head's in the way. For unfortunately, most of the hit, the, uh, the I'll yeah. get. I'll explain uh, when that when that goes. Out, I'll explain more on why I was hesitant. But it's difficult to sort of see my to see the dealer's hand. You can rarely see my hand. But uh, yeah, the reason why I'm I'm probably gonna still put it out. I have the audio. I'm just gonna hard caption the audio so that way, even if you can't see the hands, you can still hear the conversation. And let's be honest, the conversation is probably more valuable than watching. Oh, yeah, definitely. The the con- anyway, well, so. good, because I got the same feeling, the conversation. You know, when you recorded the crap session, I can't imagine the audio was interesting at all or any of it was interesting, to be None honest with you. <laughs> the <laughs> so. only thing I, t- I I'll see if I still have it. I clipped uh, I clipped. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I was going to make a mini a mini series of dice falling off the table oh, and just send them to you. To just uh, be- <laughs> I hope this doesn't trigger you. Um, yeah. 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 Anyhow, yeah. Uh, one one more thing please. too about Zorkfest. I don't know how much more you want to talk about it, but there uh, you got a lot of good feedback on your panel. Uh, what was the it, uh, Adam Fan, uh, Travel Fanboy actually came up with the slides. What was the official name of that? Uh, we called it. Uh, it was called Gambling for Greenhorns and Tight Fisted Travelers. The idea was if you're not into gambling but you want to like exercise casino offers or just want to be involved in the casino here's like here's the upfront here's the the nitty-gritty on a quick intro to um uh yeah it's quick intro to games and you're right i was surprised i felt like i flew through that stuff and didn't really get that much out but the the response you were a little rushed just because yeah. the the previous panel went late 
but uh, no, I I think you got a lot of good feedback, and I sat in in on it too, and I thought it was great. I, I you know you're really engaged with the audience; people really uh, seem to enjoy it. So yeah, Carl Schlegel asking, uh, it was a Pygal session about the gambler just for setting a setting for a conversation. A little bit of both. Um, Mark, had it been just you and me, I would have set the camera to where they could see both of our hands and mm-hmm. the dealer's hand. Yeah. But th- because we filled the table, I got greedy thinking maybe <laughs> I can get the whole thing. Yeah. And I was able to get about 70% of the table, the 30% being my hand. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that worked against me a little bit. But to his point, it was a good setting for a conversation. The only reason I'm upset that you can't see more of my hands and stuff is you and I, there was a hand, there was a few hands where we discuss why and face up you're we are making different decisions uh, yeah the viewer would be able to see that better so yeah. well um, yeah you know like you said you can hard code the conversation and maybe even you know put comments up in the corner saying yep. you know here was my hand or something to that effect yeah sure so. <laughs> um uh, i'm i'm when this episode gets released as a podcast there will also be a conversation with michael traeger to talk about Zorkfest, talking a little bit more on the convention side of things like the conference yeah. itself good um my last comment on sort of being there as a uh, being in the area. I mean, it was just so great. Like we, you, we were never without people to gamble with. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it, 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 and yeah, you're right. And it's been a while, you know, when we yeah. met up in October it was kind of just you and me, this was more official boy. There were people. Yeah. I hadn't seen in years. Yep. So it was nice to finally be back in that environment. Related to the trip and not Zorkfest itself. I'm sure people have seen, um, the videos that I put out, uh, I stayed at M at the beginning of that that stay. Mark, I can almost tell you, anytime I go to Vegas for an event of some sort, where there's some like some uh, focal point at in my trip, I will attempt to get in a few days early and just hang out at M for a few days. Yeah, I enjoyed great. it that much. It was good. Great. Oh, good, yeah. good. That's good to hear. Um, all right. Let's start talking about uh, two movies that are very polar opposites from each other, <laughs> but they're movies that keep on coming up in these discussions. And I thought there was no good movie to pair either of them with. And so I figured let's just do the polar opposite thing with uh, with Uncut Gems, the anxiety inducing uh, movie fe- featuring Adam Sandler, uh, which this was the first time I had watched it in oh you hadn't seen it before. i had not seen oh it before. my gosh yeah. oh okay <laughs> yeah uh look it came out in 2019 uh it features adam sandler everybody told me that it's anxiety inducing and going into 2020 i was like that's the last thing i need in my life right now <laughs> is a movie causing me anxiety and stress so when we start so then by the time we started better viewing i was like well clearly we'll cover it i'll just watch it when we cover it uh almost uh, a little over a year later we've been doing this since october 2019 how about that wow, or, uh, i'm sorry october 2020. 2020 yeah um and i finally watched it uh the one production note i have on this before we get into the movie is um oh goodness where is um uh there he goes uh lakeith stanfield plays demony demony yes. demony uh-huh yeah and as soon as I saw him, I got excited because okay. he is just fantastic. Yeah. He he was in uh, Atlanta and a handful of other things. And he's one of these actors. And when I see them, I'm like, that's going to be a good performance. I just I yeah. and again, he I, for a smaller role, I thought he delivered. And um, I was very um, uh, excited to see him there. Adam Sandler, we'll talk about this uh, more after the, we cover the movie. This was only his third third or fourth like 
like drama um like what people consider sort of a big time drama production right um i and so i am of the opinion that i like adam sandler in dramas more than comedies but we can talk about that uh later okay. um the movie is on netflix yes if, if for anybody yes. who ha- if you haven't watched it yet, like oh snap i need to watch this um it is on netflix uh, and that's how i watched it yeah um any production notes before we talk about the movie? You know, the the only well, we'll talk about Adam Sandler later. Uh, yes, it is an anxiety-inducing movie, and it's not it it's it's designed to make you stressed. And it's not just the plot, which does. It's not just everything that he gets into, which does. It's even every individual scene. And I'll use one of the early scenes in his, as an example. He has received a package that has this valuable opal inside. And he's trying to unwrap the package. And it's a bit of an ordeal getting this package open because they've actually put it inside some fish, right? So yeah. it's a, it's a, pa- and so it's taking a while. Meanwhile, one of his coworkers is complaining about the way he's being treated at this job. I should say one of his employees because it's basically his business. And so this whole unwrapping of this package is stressful because this guy's trying to talk to him. Yeah. And Adam Sandler's character, Howard, is, you know, he's busy. He's unwrapping. He's basically ignoring this guy. So here's a scene that should be pretty straightforward. But yeah, the writers, directors, they have decided, okay, every scene is going to be stressful. There's a lot of talking over each uh, dialogue that's, you know, um, people talking over each other. That also kind of gets you riled up. So this is this is what they're going for. It's yeah. intended to make it, you uncomfortable and stressed. Yeah, Man, it worked. <laughs> It yes. worked. Yeah. I mean, every, I mean, like you said, every scene is there meant to make you stressed and anxious. And whether it's multiple noises going on, mm-hmm. whether it's people talking over each other, when, while it's one person distracting another, while that person's trying to like do something important, yes, yes. like mm-hmm. little stuff like that. Someone trying to get from point A to point B and constantly being interrupted. Yes. I mean, it was like, I remember there was like a handful of scenes where, nothing there's no stress and it almost confuses you thinking oh what a low point in the movie right i'm like oh where'd the where'd the energy go and then i'm like wait this scene's fine i just my blood pressure's not up right <laughs> you know? they, and i mean the the filmmakers do give you some satisfaction there you know you're right. stressing there are a few points where you can kind of release like okay good you know he got past this point or okay things are gonna be a little bit better now but yeah, then something else comes up. The The only other thing I'll talk about production is the music. I'm not sure that I kind of go with the music. It's like this electronic, dreamy, I almost like 1980s uh, tangerine dream. Kinda, I have, and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it really works. I have, a, I have a note on the music for the closing credits that I think might be the weirdest thing in the whole movie, <laughs> okay. which is saying something. But <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay, here we go. Adam Sandler plays Howard. Uh, a uh, a Jewish man in Boston, um, New York. Or, I'm sorry, Boston? I was really confused on this. You know, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it because the Kevin Garnett, who plays himself in the movie and who's great in this movie, I mean, he I really guess it is. is New York. It, I kept on. It, no, I think you're right. I think the Diamond District is in New York. I just yeah, kept so, on thinking seeing Kevin because right, that's right. That's the thing. He's yeah. The reason he's seeing him so often is because he's playing a series in Philadelphia, and I think they're making the trip up to New York to see him. That's right. Yes, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, in the uh, the Diamond District of uh, New York, 
he shook down at his office, uh, which is a, a jewelry store. Uh, some bookies, tough guys come for some cash, uh, they, or they take some of his cash to take his watch. Uh, we learned shortly after he stuck about a hundred K and you know, it's interesting because as you're watching this movie. I don't think those guys are from a bookie. So Arno is kind of the villain in this. I think Arno is a loan shark because there is oh. one scene where Arno is angry that Howard has oh, made that's bets a good point. with his money. That's so a I good think, point. Yeah, I think Arno is just a loan shark, and those are his muscle coming in to get the money. Yeah, there we go. I was so, you know, I was watching the the movie through the lens of a gambler, thinking uh -huh, it was yeah. a gambling movie. <laughs> oh, here's his bookie already coming right, out. Right, right. Well, no, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and then like, he has two, at least two other bookies that he's working with, right. in the movie. Right. Look, mm -hmm. I'm I'm over two already on my notes here. <laughs> on the, uh, on the <laughs> I've movie. seen it twice. This yeah. is my twice, uh, second time. So yeah. Um. Oh, not gambling thing that happened. There's a there's a great joke about the weekend and how he's going to be something big, even yeah. though he's from Canada, which I just love, love that line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the weekend plays himself too. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, and did pretty well, I thought. Yeah, in uh, a little bit that he had to do. Okay, he yeah. um, uh, he walks into a joint, hand uh, hands over an envelope of cash, uh, and starts listing bets he wants. In the NBA, this is another. This is a, a, a great example of an anxiety-inducing. Uh, he goes over, he hands over the cash. He just starts listing. He's like, "I want this, I yeah. want this," and like he's not even like waiting for confirmation or anything. He's just sort of list. And then he gets a phone call, and his bookie's trying to confirm a bet while he's talking on the phone. And like as a gambler, I'm like, "Get your bet in." Get, come on, get get your bet in. Come on, come on, yeah. Howard. Get your like the line might move. Get your bet in. We should um, say too that even though this movie came out in 2019, it takes place in 2012. So right. that within the story, Kevin Garnett is still playing for the NBA, right? For Boston, playing himself, and that plays a big part of it. So they can actually use, you know, the fact that that you know we know now what happened in these games yeah. as part of uh, story points going forward. Yeah. Um, which is why everybody has iPhone threes, um, <laughs> which is why there's, which is why presumably he's still going down the, down, uh, the streets and getting a line from his bookie and betting right. into it. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, um, you know, I imagine the average player didn't bother looking at even at a Don Best screen, uh, you know, back then. Right. Just, then, right. I want to, I want action. Let me go talk to my, my bookie. And you know, he doesn't, he doesn't even say lines. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't like, he, like he, he yeah. just says, I want, like, he starts listing plays. Like, I think he, maybe on the spreads, he mentioned lines, but he would just say, this money line, this, you know, and so, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one it, thing in one of the go. scenes, too, so that I don't forget here, when he is making these bets with a bookie, he asked his bookie if, uh, he'll give him lightning bets. And, you know, I don't think we've talked about lightning bets on our show. I don't know if you've talked about it on your show. Never. But yeah, but uh, basically lightning bet. And then some bookies don't offer them. Some books don't offer them. But the idea is that you make a bet and uh, the more the outcome of the, the game kind of it goes in your favor, the more money you'll win. So, ex for example, if you've got an over-under in uh, uh, a football game and your over-under is 40 and you take the over, well, the more points it's over 40 that the game ends at the more money you'll win you know yep. if it ends at 41 you won't get that much money and if it is uh not you don't see him that much i mean the reason we don't talk about him is because you don't see him that much but i thought it was interesting that in the movie he asked his bookie about it his bookie says something like oh you don't want that or you know no so anyway well, lightning bets <laughs> uh the way you do see it though is that is the business model for points bet 
the oh, yeah there you the, go yeah mm-hmm. so points, yeah okay so, good 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 yep. yeah so if you have access to points bet in your jurisdiction points bet does offer that that's what they call they're called points bets and yeah. you are able to wager uh you you know you pay up more if you lose by more you win more if you win by more uh as mark yeah. described here um uh yeah like stanfield does a great job as playing damani uh, he gets Garnett's 2008 championship ring as collateral for an uncut black opal stone. Yeah, uh, This is the stone that he was digging through the fish to get. He's very excited about it. He believes that the appraisal on this, the value on this could be upwards of uh, seven figures uh, to the right seller. Uh, but Garnett just loves this stone. He loves a little bit of the story behind it. He crashes through, like leaning on the leaning on the glass counter. He crashes through. Somehow, that's a sign that he needs it. I was like, if I if I broke glass holding onto something, I'd let go of it immediately. And be like, Don't <laughs> yeah. let, get that thing. Kevin Garnett though needed the stone. Yeah, he um, becomes obsessed with it very quickly. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he, and that's another stressful th- scene, right? It's yes. like, yeah, you got to let me have this just for you know tonight. You got to let me have this. And of course, the Howard doesn't want to give it up. So that's that stress-inducing thing, but he does give over his championship ring as collateral. <laughs> uh, if I thought it was worth upwards of a million dollars, I'd probably be reluctant to let go of it too. <laughs> However, uh, renting it, renting out a stone to Kevin Garnett uh, seems like a pretty fun business to have. Like, yeah, yeah sure, you can have it. Just you know, fifty k a night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Um, I think he even offers to buy it right up front. He's like, he's a guy. And oh I, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah like but, 150, $175,000. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's when, yeah. Howard says, no, no, it's worth like at least a million dollars. Yeah. Right. So after he gets Garnett's 2008 championship ring as collateral, he runs right down the street and pawns it for, I think about 20, a little over $20,000. Yeah. It's not much. Yeah. He then runs to a bookie and makes a six-leg parlay <laughs> on the Celtics game with Garnett props in it. He just yeah. felt like Garnett's energy with this stone meant that he had to have performed well. And yeah. he goes and makes a six-leg parlay. Um, uh, signs you may have a gambling problem. <laughs> yeah, and what, one of the legs is that the Celtics will get the tip off. He he does that in later in the movie too, but you know yep. that's everything rides on well every bet in a parlay obviously, but that's something that he you know okay the Celtics are going to get the tip off well at least if they don't you know you lost the whole thing you don't have to worry about it. like by the way laying uh living a better life is laying on the floor of your son's room while you watch the game on your phone uh, that's <laughs> a, can you I, I, that was a, a note that I wanted to make are you able to watch a sporting event that you have money on in the way that he did. Like I have to kind of separate myself for it. I, it's too much stress for me if I've got a lot of money on a game to start at the very beginning, especially basketball, and be watching the whole way and being invested of it. That just seems exhausting to me. I mean, it was great for this character. It certainly fit his personality. But for me, uh, I just his, didn't see the final and not even watch any of it. <laughs> so his his stress in watching that game reminded me of Philip Seymour Hoffman and owning mm-hmm. Mahoney yes, when he's yes. watching the Duke game, I think it was. Um, or the yeah, the whatever basketball game he had action on. Um can I so if I am stressed about a game, that is a signal that I have risked too much money. Now and and I and it usually happens at very rarely, but it happens once in a while. I'm a gambler. Sometimes I get excited, yeah. but um, 
usually when I'm that obsessed with the game, it's because I'm best positioned for a nice bet that I'm comfortable with losing, but the win is exciting, right? Okay. So um, recently I've been getting into for, like soccer first half. Sometimes I can find underdogs of like five to one that I think can compete. I'm perfectly content with losing that bet, right? It's a five to one underdog, but I will, if I, if I can watch the game, I will because of that excitement of watching, possibly watching that ball hit the back of the net and yeah. getting a nice payday. And so I do enjoy watching match uh, games and matches where, um, where there's excitement on the bet resulting. But if I'm stressed about the bet, not winning, big indicator that uh i clearly am not in the right position uh either uh line wise or money wise to be on that and i quickly like it doesn't happen again for months all right so let me ask you this when we were back in vegas in october we mm -hmm. were playing some pie gal poker and you had some money on tom brady and we were watching and it was not one of brady's <laughs> best performances yeah. and you did seem to get a little stressed out so is that a situation where you were sort of being forced to watch the game because it was on a TV right in front of us and maybe you wouldn't have been watching it otherwise? I definitely would not have been. What was that wager that I made on Tom Brady? I don't even I don't remember. It yeah. was numbered. So, I can't even remember now, but yeah. Uh, so that'll tell you uh, right away that uh, that I, I was probably just being excited about a game being on television. I was in Vegas and, you know, they, okay. it was more it was more about the atmosphere and and everything. Um, I do, you know, I do remember being a little stressed out about a Tom Brady game. As you say, it's, uh, yeah, you kind of, yeah. you kind of, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> you can cut it, this out if you want uh, from when he, when he yeah. posted the podcast, yeah. but you see, you know, as you left, we kind of looked at each other like, uh, yeah, that game didn't go too well. You know what? Game. That was, that was at the end of a, it wasn't that that game was, was bad. It was at the end of a bad day. Okay. Sports wise. That's fair. So that, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, yeah. 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 So. Uh, that will also happen where I'll get too emotionally wrapped up into like my last bet of a long day. Uh, and that's probably what you, uh, yeah. probably what you witness. It's been a long okay. time since I've, uh, over bet a game. Yeah. There's, yeah. there are sometimes, and I don't watch these. So going back, back to your question of, do you watch games like this? If I bet it, if I bet something and then realize, what did I do betting that? Right. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. What a dumb bet. That, like, I won't watch the game. I don't care anymore. Like, I'm, I just feel, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, I made a dumb bet. We'll move on. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll just bet soccer in the morning and get it all back. Um, hello, so, Tim. Tim Kennedy steps oh, in and I start talking about betting soccer. He's going to leave in about two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, getting back to the movie, you were talking about how, yeah, he's lying down on his son's bedroom floor watching the game. So his wife was, you know, insisting that he go in and, you know, basically put his younger son to bed. His son's been waiting for him to come in and put him to bed. And, you know, uh, Howard is, let me watch a little bit more. He's obviously obsessed. But he ends up watching the game on the floor. And then after that, he leaves his son's bedroom, goes in to talk to his other son, who's older and still awake. And you, the son is talking about how much money he's got on the game with his friends, you know, kind of like taking after his dad. And, yeah. you know, he asks his dad, do you have money on it? And you can see this son, for better or worse, is really proud that his dad has bet a lot of money on this right. game. You know, that's like something they have in common. Um, do you, like when your son showed interest in going to the casino, did you like, I, I don't know the relationship you have with your kids, but like, was that, we were like excited to like, oh, here's one more, here's something that I get to, yeah. cause it, cause people, you know, 
you know, what's funny is uh, during the holidays, uh, and it's, this isn't funny. I don't know why, I, I, but like um, there was a lot of like PSAs that went out about giving kids and teenagers gambling related gifts and how it mm. can sort of influence them to believe that gambling is fun without risk, right? Because when you yeah. gift someone a lottery ticket or whatever, it removes the risk from their brain, but it gets them interested in the in like the 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 gambling part of it, and. You know, I thought I actually kind of thought about that, and I was like, I maybe I, you know, uh, maybe I won't give my niece, uh, <laughs> you know, betting tickets or whatever because it's fun. Because who knows what kind of influence that has on them, right? Yeah. Um, and I so, you know, relate. I don't have kids. I don't know what it's like to, you know, expose them, not expose them, talk to them, not talk to them. But like when they show interest in it, did you like be like, uh, this is like did we just. The back well, I, bit, or did you entertain? Yeah, it? I, I was interested in explaining the games to them. And the mechanics. Here's how this game works. Here how here's how this game works. My older son has gone to the casino, and I think he still enjoys going, but he doesn't like losing. And that seems like an obvious statement, right? But as gamblers, you know, I always say this: What's your favorite thing about gambling? Oh, you know, it's it's winning. What's your second favorite thing? Losing, right? You know, it's that's part of yeah. being a gambler. You've got to be able to handle the losses. So he's not really into the losses, so I don't really need to. But, you know, we'll go up to the casino every once in a while. We just play stadium gaming, and it's like, okay, you want to go home now? Yeah, let's go home. And then my younger son hasn't really shown any interest at all. And so it's not really something that we have many other interests, you know, my sons and and I. So, you know, we there's, there's a lot more that we can talk about and do together. So even though it's a big part of my life, it's. I, it doesn't need to be a big part of my life with them. So yep. maybe that no, answers I, your question. Yeah, it it does because people yeah. ask me about you know uh, not that uh, you know the spouse is different from from kids, but yeah, yeah, people yeah. ask me you know about you know about my wife, and I'm like, no, she's not into it, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. She right. listens yeah. to me, you know, go on about how proud I am that I bet the Bengals at fourteen to one to win the division, <laughs> which cashed by the way. Yeah. Uh, and then when it's done, I'm like, thank you for listening. Um, yeah. You know, I pulled twenty dollars out of my pocket and give it to her, and I'm like, "Here's your tithe for you know tolerating my gambling," and that's that's about it, right? Go go buy, go buy yourself something pretty. Yeah, uh, if I buy something pretty, she like pockets it, and she's like, yeah, there you go. They're I smart. know Tim's not winning this money all the time, so let <laughs> me <laughs> hold it while I got it. Yeah, um, yeah, he sees another, he sees another son who uh, talks about making bets on the Celtics game. Uh, by the way, Mohegan Sun uh, casino commercial siding, which. Uh, I didn't realize was telegraphing uh, a more of a story later. I just thought I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. What do we got here? Uh, Howard hits his parlay. Um, goons. Uh, oh, he hits his parlay. Very exciting. Um, he ends up losing, not losing, but he's like trying to track down this uh, the opal rock so he can get it into this auction and trying to get those things. Uh, he's at a play for his daughter. And these uh, lone shark goons are in the audience. Yeah, I would make so much. Now he's in. He's in deep. There's no just like turning your life around in that moment. Right. But if there's ever a signal that you you need to make some life choice, <laughs> life changes, it's that when you have people sitting in a in the audience for a play involving your family, and it's like. <laughs> Uh, PSA, don't owe too much to your bookie <laughs> or your loan shark or anybody else you could possibly owe money to. Uh, it's a little different now. Uh, not, you know, nowadays, you know, there's, there's Venmo transactions and Bitcoin transactions, and there's a good chance that no one's going to come b- pounding on your door. They're just going to stop taking your action. But, um, 
Yeah, that would yeah. that I would be unnerved. Yes. Um, he gets wrangled down and thrown into a car and is desperately trying to plead for his life. They know he used the money that you mentioned earlier, the money he did have to place that bet. And then we learn that they stopped the bets. So this That's right, yes. This this parlay that he was so excited to have won that was going to take care of all of these issues once they sort of lined up was gone. Yeah. Poof. Yeah. Uh, then they strip him down naked and throw him into his own trunk. <laughs> right. And then he has to call his wife to come get him. And yeah. his wife, who he's oh, not no. on very good terms with uh, to begin with, yeah. uh, you know, sees the, him naked in the trunk. And that's kind of the final straw. <laughs> By the way, Howard moves a lot in the open for someone who is constantly being accosted. Like when I was like, I don't know how else he's going to get from point A point B. I recognize that. But like when it shows him like going from store to store, he just like goes out on the street and like do 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 and like passes by people who probably need something from him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Like <laughs> you, you move you move pretty freely for someone who's constantly being accosted by people you owe money to. Yeah. Um, uh, Howard is with family celebrating a uh, uh, a holiday. Uh, they're smoking cigars or watching the Celtics, and he refu- he refers to his operation with this black opal, acquiring it, trying to sell it uh, as a gamble that's about to pay off, um, which I kind of appreciated the obvious wording there in that they show that, you know, when you're a gambler, you're a gambler, and you're willing to take risks other places, right, with in business and life, and um, I think that him with his like wife that's not working out and his girlfriend shows that he's sort of a gambler with a relationship as well because both of those could go south at any, any at any point right so um yeah 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 the, the, and it, you know this this gamble was that he basically bought this opal and who knows how he bought it right was it legal illegal who knows but the idea is that he bought it for significantly less than it's worth or at least he thinks it's worth and so that's the gamble is he's hoping to sell it uh, at the auction at, at much greater value uh, it's also at that Passover dinner that we realize that the loan shark that he owes all the money to is also a family member. It looks like yes. maybe brothers-in-law. So yep. that adds another little twist to, you know, what's going on. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I've had uh, accounts before. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who they were. Like yeah. this, this yeah, is a whole, sure. and I think that's what, I think that's what contemporary life brings is you know it's not like i have friends who like their friend's dad was booking their action right and Uh i'm like that's so bizarre i can't imagine being at the dinner table with someone i might be stuck a couple grand to you know (laughs) you know get you anything else yeah as they're like oh honey that's a nice necklace he got there how much (laughs) did tim pay for that Yeah, that's um, but it's whole it's, it's a whole different. You don't you don't you don't have to know who they are. You don't have to meet them. You just have to have a a, a Venmo address, and you know, off you go. Yeah, uh, it's a different world these days. Uh, fast forward to him in his office with Kevin Garnett, KG, as he's constantly called throughout the movie. KG is grilling him on how he got this opal, what it means, and all like how much he's paid for it, um, how he's flipping it. And he does uh he, he does this grilling after he willingly pays hundred and sixty-five thousand for it. Um this coming after it was on auction, Kevin Garnett tried getting it for I think upwards of like 190. Howard has someone in the uh, in the auction 
uh, trying to cl- like chase the bid up to uh, yeah. almost Try, quarter million. Trying to manipulate the bill. And it, I think it's his father-in-law. He's yes. pressured his father-in-law into doing this. The father-in-law right. doesn't want to do it. And, so, but and the reason why the father-in-law didn't want to do it ends up happening, and that in that he out ends up outbidding Kevin Garnett, who who ducks out early. They hold on to the opal, though. Kevin Garnett finds out they still have it. He comes, he buys it, he grills them on how uh, how he even got it, and then finally Howard starts like really flipping the conversation almost, and yes. and trying to be like, no, this is you. You need like yeah. sort of calling on the games in which Kevin Garnett had the rock and was doing well. The one game that he didn't have it, he underperformed. So he pulls up the Vegas lines and he's like, look, they don't respect you. Eight rebounds. And Kevin Garnett's like, well, they don't know him. He's like, exactly. They don't know you. I know. Like, Kevin, yeah. re- really great performance from yeah. uh, Adam Sandler in this scene. Yeah. Um, he starts getting all hyped up. He's talking about putting all that cash on KG again, like he did the first time. And I thought that this was a sort of uh, bait and sweat, like a false uh, lead a little bit. I thought like, oh, he's going to he, when he's he's preparing all this cash, he's writing down these bets. He ends up sort of window to window, giving it to his girlfriend. He's like, run to Mohegan Sun. There's a bet in the bag. Make that bet. And I'm like, the note in the bag price says something else. Right. We, oh, we, OK. So you thought that the bet would not be made. Uh, exactly. Based on that. OK. All right. Right. So I thought I thought it was all I thought it was leading into him hyping up KG to just sort of get him out of his office. And then he was going to tell the the guys lit, waiting in his store, like, Hey, I have the money. I just need like what I thought it was just going to be some like him more anxiety inducing. Well, if, if that had been the case though, don't you think that would kind of contradict his character, Adam Sandler's character and yeah. everything he'd done up to that point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I, I thought it was supposed to show this like, Almost how like Michael Scott has a mil- minute, like a moment of brilliance where you're like, okay. oh, there it is. There's the per- there's like the happy ending that, you know, he's right. kind of finally going to realize. Yeah, he, right. he's clearly a semi successful businessman. He has yeah, a right. jewelry yeah, shop true. in the Diamond <laughs> District, of which yeah. he has he has NBA players coming. Like He's got to, he's got to have moments of brilliance here. Yeah. I thought maybe this was going to be it. No, lo and behold, uh, his girlfriend runs to Mohegan Sun and places a bet. As you mentioned, the parley includes winning the opening tip, which, <laughs> look, uh, I've had bets early in games that 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 have been re- the result has come through early in the game. And it's like, well, I don't know what else to watch for. Right. I was sitting there like, I've been here before. That tip's <laughs> not going to Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Uh, but it does. And then he sweats out. Um, I believe he had a... I was having a hard time tracking because they were counting both rebounds and points. Yeah, and it must have been. I think it was a single bet, right? Yeah, rebounds and, was, and was, points. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it sounded yeah. like 26 was the number. But it, it, yeah, I thought maybe it was separate like it was before. It wasn't. It was. No, it I was, think it was combined. And then uh, at le- it was at least a three uh, leg parlay uh, having the Celtics win, uh, covering yep. the, the point spread. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Celtics do end up winning. All while this is happening, these the the loan shark and his goons are trapped in the security box of the diamond store. A lot of these a lot of these jewelry shops in downtown uh, metropolitan areas have this sort of two door system. Yeah. Which, you know, you, you see it at banks, you see it at a lot of places where there's things of value inside. Where you walk in one door, once the door behind you closes and is secured, they can buzz you in the other door to get into the shop, and they do that for entry and exit, so there's no smash and grabs. Right. They are locked in the in this box, and Adam Sandler is like like 
almost antagonizing them with this wager. He's so certain this bet's going to win. He shows moments of like, like, like stress where he's like, Oh, that's a terrible, but like, you can still tell like he just believes this is going to win that eventually it's going to get there. And it does. Um, he opens the door. And if you have not watched it yet and you don't want to spoiler, shut this off. Now he opens the door to let the goons in and gets shot right in the face. And I was like, what? <laughs> right. It's a, it's, it is so fast. Yep. And it's like, oh, wait a second. I mean, he got shot in the head. He's dead. That, I mean, there's no coming back from this. It does catch you very quickly because there's no buildup for it. Yep. It is fast. And it's mm-hmm. like, yep. you sit there, like, it's one of those things where I know what I just saw. I'm waiting for the movie to tell me that I didn't see it correctly. Right. Like, yeah, I'm waiting right. for the, he's not right, actually, like he's dead. imagining he's, it or something. Right. right. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. Right. Like, uh-huh, I'm waiting yeah. for mm-hmm. the, yeah. But he's dead. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I was like, I don't, it's one of those things where you're like, you almost want to applaud the creators to be like, that's bold, right? It's bold mm-hmm. to take this character that you have followed for this whole, it's a two, it's over a two hour movie. You watch oh, yeah. it for a long time yeah. and you're like, I'm invested in this character for better or for worse. I need to know what happens to him. And what happens is that on the day that all of his problems are theoretically solved, theoretically, yeah, theoretically solved, <laughs> he's dead. Yeah. Um, what I don't understand, and this, and and this again, I am. This is me reasoning with his flawed character. Why would you let three men who you just—they were in there for the the whole game. That's yeah. three plus hours. Yeah, they hate you. It yeah. doesn't matter if you have their money or not. Um, and you know that they're armed. And this is the part that bothered. This is the only only part that sort of bothers me with his decision. He knows they're armed. The guy already held a gun up to the glass. Yeah. I I think the scene makes sense because the loan shark, Arno, his brother-in-law, his reaction in there, yeah, even though he's been in for three hours, is, oh, my God, he hit the bet. He right. hit the bet. We're, we're getting the money. Yeah. The guy who kills him is the muscle. Right. Not the loan shark. He's, you can tell he's fed up. You yeah. can tell very early on he's fed up. So Howard is not even he's not even thinking he could get shot in this situation because he's won the bet. He's got the money. How could the loan shark be mad? So he's focused more on Arno, the loan shark, and not on the muscle. And for me, this scene works. I, I think it is the proper ending to this movie. Agreed. For what they've led up to. Even though it's shocking and you weren't expecting it, it's like, okay, yeah. 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 Again, I I admit I'm it's me reasoning with a with a flawed character, right? I yes. I'm think because I I've I've I have worked in I, I have been you know we had man traps when I worked at embassies, right? I understand how that and like my mind went there of like I would never like I would even if it was my friend if he was mad at me and I know he had a weapon, there's no way I'd let him in. But again, yeah. that's me reasoning with the with the scene and not just accepting it creatively. Yeah. Um, now this uh, is the yeah. this is the second time I've seen it. Okay. And and so I know what's going to happen, obviously, but it's still, you know, when you watch a movie, it's still stressful, right? You can, even though you know what's going to happen, you know, we're, you know, humans, and that's why we enjoy going to the movies, what have you, you know, for the, the intensity and what have you. But uh, I found myself rooting against him for most of the movie based on his decision making. 
You yeah. know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Ah, you got this coming to you. You know, so maybe that's a way that I kind of help release some of my stress is that, oh, well, it's no big deal. You know, whatever happens to me deserves. So I don't know. Maybe a second viewing, you feel the same. But uh, yeah, I was I was kind of rooting against him this time. And he's I, an anti-hero, right? I mean, he's not. Yeah, yeah. He's way flawed, way flawed. I So my f- first time watching it, as someone who really enjoys prop personal problem solving almost to a, a flaw like you know at the at at some of the worst moments in my life where like my back's really against the wall i have fell to this like undescribable high of trying to solve that problem right <laughs> yeah uh there was one point in my life there was uh, for this for another podcast but there was one point in my life where there was a night where i wasn't sure where i was sleeping that night and the problem solving of of figuring that out there is this like panic and also this rush of like mm. i need to solve this mm-hmm. not that i have ever been as deep as he is he's ever been right i have friends I, it was never a doubt that i would find somewhere to crash that night yeah. but um i could feel that part of me sort of reach out to him and be like you got this you're gonna figure this out man like you're making really bad decisions mm-hmm. and you're in really deep but if the opal sells and you can get you can get Car- uh, the Garnet's ring back and you can pay off the sharks, this <laughs> this will be fine. You'll be fine. And yeah, so uh, I, you know, I'm sure if I watched it again, knowing everything, I might feel more like, oh, that's right, this guy's making this dumb decision and that <laughs> dumb decision. Wow, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, two two hours of anxiety, uh, as Jimmy points out, for sure. So let's. Um, oh, to your point on music. The the song during the closing credits is a song called "I'll Fly with You" by Gigi D'Ignacio, who is a French DJ. Yeah. This song came out, I want to say, in the early two thousands, possibly even nineteen ninety nine. And as soon as I heard, it's one of my favorite songs. I love it too. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. But as soon as yeah. I heard it, I was like, "What? Why? What?" Because yeah. I, you know, I saw the credits come up, and I was like, "Okay." And I went to go back to doing what I was doing. And then I was, and then I heard it, and I was like, "Is that coming from the movie?" Like I was so confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you know, yeah, the song at the end, and again, the music throughout is sort of this almost ethereal, electronic, more kind of an '80s. You know, it's not an orchestra; it's all electronic. So yeah, I don't know if it works or not. It yeah. it it didn't really distract me, so I don't think it it hurts the film terribly. But it is unusual. Um. So two qu- two questions. Or do you have anything else on the movie before we get? Oh yeah, I've got more things to say oh, about please. it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, okay. So uh, obviously there was no sports book at Mohegan Sun in 2012. That's fine. I have no problem with that. You know, you got to take some artistic license to tell the story. Yep. But getting down a $150,000 parlay bet by just taking the money up to a window—that's the part I can't get past. You would not be able to make that bet. Certainly not as quickly as she did. As sp- and. The, like the ticket writer is simultaneously writing up the ticket while the money's even being counted. Yeah, that's right. the part that I had the hardest part with. Like, yeah, I can see a manager. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're stuck on that game, right? And they and they just want they just need some more volume. Like I could see a sportsbook manager being like, "All right, let's count it. We'll see what we can do." And <laughs> trying to get a bet in, but like how casually it was like, "Oh, okay, yes. it's all this yeah. money. Let's just let's start writing up this ticket while you're doing that." Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was one thing. Uh, another thing. So again, they could, they had some fun with this movie because they were basing it on real life uh, NBA games and Kevin Garnett's uh, performances in particular. 
And when they're interviewing Garnett at the end of the game, and I assume this is an interview, a real interview from, you know, when he actually played the game, his quote is, I just felt it was me and the rock, nothing else. Now, of course, in real life, he was talking about the basketball as being the rock. But, you know, this opal was inside a rock. So I thought that's kind of a neat touch. It's like, oh, he's not talking about basketball. He's talking about this opal. Um, one more thing I'll mention, and I, I don't know why they did this. It's so funny. So Howard has this apartment in town separate from his house, and that's where his mistress basically lives most of the time. And the, he, there's one scene where he's going up to that apartment. The mistress is no longer there, and he's going up with his son. His son has to use the restroom. And you can tell Howard doesn't want his son to actually see this apartment, you know, and maybe even run into the the woman. So he's asking neighbors if his son can use the restroom. And one of his neighbors is John Amos playing himself. He's an actor. He's best known for playing the father on Good Times, the TV show. He was in um, Coming to America. In fact, fact, Howard is even telling that to his son. Oh, he's a famous actor. You know, he was in these shows. And it's just him. And he comes to the door, you know, can my son use your restroom? No. And that's it. He just threw that in there. I don't know if it's comic relief or whatever, but I was reading an article with the filmmakers and they were saying, yeah, they wanted to get a real person, somebody maybe who was from TV, who was not controversial at all. And that's who they wanted. So they got Giles. That's great. So anyway, just kind of a funny little touch. Um, do you want to talk about uh, uh, Adam Sandler then and his performance and comedy and what have you? Yeah. So let's, let's start with is uncut gems a good movie? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I agree. Um, is Adam Sandler a better drama actor than he is a comedy actor? Of course, this is. I know people who absolutely dislike him as a comedian uh, and often don't give his drama a chance because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your... I mean, some of his, you know, um, uh, of course, um, uh, what is... Uh, Punch drunk Punch, love, drunk mm-hmm. love, yeah. Uh, being sort of the other drama that he's sort of been, you know, that came out almost twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, I remember watching and I enjoyed it. Um, I grew up on Adam Sandler comedy. I grew up watching Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, The Water Boy, like Adam. Those Adam Sandler cliche movie, those like t- stereotypical Adam Sandler movies, came out just before. I was coming of age or while I was coming of age. And so I watched all of them. Yeah. I appreciated all of them, but as I get older, I would never would like, I can't imagine sitting down and watching Billy Madison again, okay. for you know, okay. but I, I would watch uncut gems with someone who hasn't seen it. Right. Like, I, like there are scenarios in which I would watch his drama again and even moving forward or, or now I would be way more interested in watching a, a Adam Sandler drama versus a new Adam Sandler comedy. What are your thoughts? Okay. Well, let me say this. Uh, I, when it comes to comedic actors, so many of them come from television. And I, almost across the board, feel that their television work is better than their movie work. So when I think of Adam Sandler as a comedic actor, I think of Saturday Night Live. So that's what I'm thinking funny Adam Sandler. I don't even really consider his comedy in movies when I think of Adam Sandler. Now, I know I'm in the minority there. And, you know, the thing about movies is they're more accessible. And, you know, as time goes on, they will sort of endure, whereas reruns of Saturday Night Live are not going to endure like movies do. But that's what I think of. I think of Adam Sandler. The times he's made me laugh 
it's been on Saturday Night Live, TV, that kind of thing. Okay. Having said that, a lot of times when a comedic actor tries drama, for me, you're always thinking, oh, you know, he's almost overdoing it or he's trying to show us how good an actor he can be. You know, how I, I like him better when he's funny. That's often how I feel. But in this, he is completely convincing as this character. I am yep. not thinking of Adam Sandler, funny man, Adam Sandler. He is completely convincing as this character, Howard, this flawed, sort of terrible person in a lot of ways. I think it's a fantastic performance. And I'm not even, again, I'm repeating myself, but I'm not even thinking of funny man Adam Sandler when I'm watching it. And made me think of how Heath Ledger blew everybody out of the water as Joker. <laughs> and yeah. then, like, that's not the heartthrob we thought we've been watching, you know, with, uh, <laughs> you know, what I can't, I can't think of his other movies, but like, you know, we were, we were so skeptical of this, this guy. And then he just, it was an unrecognizable performance that's in the same fantastic. way that, no. yeah, that Adam Sandler, it's like, who's that guy, right? Like, yeah. that's, like I said, that's, <laughs> that's not the adult that had to go back to elementary school for some silly movie or Billy Boucher who plays, you know, who's the water boy. Like that's, that was a whole different Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um, even more so than Punch Drunk Love. I thought I liked Punch Drunk Love, but I think it was more like, Hey, let me prove you guys. I'm not just a comedian. Whereas this, it was like, no, I can, I can act. Yeah. And I acted my ass off in this one. And it was great. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Moving on to the house. Um, Woo! I have the unpopular opinion that the house is a good movie. Okay. Uh, and I, and not good as in like, everybody should go watch it. It's not like a must see. It's not like, but like, one, so one thing I do, one, when we rate movies, I feel like we forget about what it's supposed to be. And we off, when it comes to these dumb comedies, we often forget that they're dumb comedies on purpose, mm -hmm. right? Like they're made that way. Old school was a dumb comedy. It's not a yeah. good movie, right. right? Like good, it's not like, you know, it's not gonna, you know, it's, you, you get what I'm saying. And I yep. thought the house was the exact same thing. There is a murderer's row of funny people in this movie. So many. Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler, Jason uh, Monsukis, Jeremy Renner, Rob Hubel, Cedric uh, Yarbrough, Andy Buckley, Randall Park. Like, these are hilarious people. And they're all, they yep. all show up. And they're all funny in this. Yeah, yep. There are so many lines in this that I missed the first few times I've seen this that I was like, oh, that, like, I still found myself chuckling at lines I anticipated, at lines I'd forgotten about. Now... Is the story all that compelling? Not really. Is 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 you know like is the book better? I get there's no book. The, the, <laughs> you know, like the joke I'm making is like based I, on the novel, right? <laughs> yeah. I think we we overjudge this movie. Now, with that as the pretense, uh, a pretext going into this, um, this is a 2017 comedy f uh, featuring uh, Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler, and Jason Monsukis. Is it Monsukis? Am I pronouncing the last name I right? I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. By the way, Jason Monsukis, one of my favorite people in all of Hollywood. He is another person where I'm, where like I see him in something and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna laugh soon. He's always I'm, funny. I'm, yeah. He is yep. always funny. Yep. Um, the uh, the premise: the town scholarship is used for a town pool. Ver instead of being given to the top students going into college that year, which is uh, Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler's daughter. So now they need to figure out how they're going to send their daughter off to college who just got uh, accepted into Bucknell. Yep. Um, 
we cut in the, all that opening drama happens. Boom. We're at Frank's house. Frank uh, being played by uh, Jason Monsukis. Frank is being accused to be a gambling addict as his, uh, uh, as his wife leaves. Uh, and Scott and Kate played by Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler are there and they're trying to get out of this trip to Vegas that they've agreed uh, to go with, uh, with Frank, but Frank, does the whole oh i need this you guys like i'm so excited and they feel kind of bad and they go with him anyways it cuts quickly to a scene of them at a craft table at the win props to win for yeah. uh for supporting the the movie oh uh, hey they supported uh paul blart mall cop too so you know <laughs> yeah. they've got some standards my friend they, they sure do <laughs> um they uh frank tells them or frank finally talks him into some action uh <laughs> uh um uh scott ends up uh, i'm gonna i mean i'm gonna i can guarantee you i'm gonna interchange scott and will ferrell uh right, by, yeah. But, yeah. but uh scott then buys in for 500 without without saying anything the 500 all goes on the four and before he can stop it the dice get rolled and it hits and frank now realizes or i'm sorry scott now realizes what this is what's capable here frank encourages them and they continue to roll fours until it gets to tens of thousands of dollars sitting on the floor yeah they're parlaying it they're they aren't taking right. any of the winnings yep right um then you hear the audio that you may recognize from the seven out podcast opening audio uh where scott yells don't roll a seven as frank is like like confused as why as someone would say that and almost the <laughs> dice almost fall out of his hands uh as he's going and we all know what happens next it's a great scene i think we talked about it on our show a while ago too it it's uh, you know, the the uh, mechanics of the craps table, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, what I'm saying is I don't see a lot of errors. You know, it's actually a buy bet on the four, you know, and it's a big stack and things like that. And yeah, this slow motion, you know, whatever you do, don't roll a seven and then slow motion. And I don't know if they use computer graphics or whatever, but as the dice are just landing on the table, it looks like it's going to be a four, you know, a one and a three. It really looks like it's going to stop on the three and then slowly turns over to a six seven out everybody is furious at scott in fact it even continues on to more scenes where they're sitting at the bar and you know people are yelling him way to go asshole you know from far away because they blame him for right. the seven out on the table and supposedly this role if it had been a four before a seven would have been enough to pay for their daughter's uh, college education so yeah it's a great but if you're a crafts player you'll love the scene it's it's horrible and wonderful so they're at the bar. Frank and Scott come up with this great idea to become the house. Uh, now that they need to figure out how to wait a circuit, because Frank's stuck too. He's he's lost. He's losing his wife. He's losing his family. Um, and he's we learn he's also going to probably lose his actual house. Um, so he needs money as well. So he's just as desperate to get something rolling. And uh, he's just kind of crazy in general. So they talk about becoming the house. Fast forward to them uh, sitting in Frank's house, getting a presentation. PowerPoint presentation. It's a PowerPoint oh, presentation yes. <laughs> on why they should start a casino inside of Frank's house. Yeah. And uh, I didn't write it down verbatim here, but Frank has a great line. He's like, um, you, you know, the um, something about cliches. And he's like, in the ultimate cliche is that the house always wins. Um, or the most true cliche, that is, the most true cliche is that the house always wins. So they were going to become the house. Um, <laughs> uh uh amy poehler's character says uh your life your wife left you because you started gambling on golf and then frank has this great throwaway as they move on to something he's like well golf wasn't the only thing um <laughs> which i i appreciated 
Um, so they're going to do it. They're going to open up this casino. They're going to do it at Frank's house. So they start rounding up a bunch of potential players from around town. Um, one lady clarifies, is this for real money and not just some weird charity thing, which I appreciated because, uh, most casino things that people experience, um, in their hometowns is for some sort of charity night. And she's like, it's not some weird charity thing where like I win a bunch of money and then I have to end up giving it to someone at the end of the night. Right. Yeah. It's a great line. And it's Lennon Parham who's playing Martha, who is very funny, uh, actress. I'm going to, I'm going to read exactly what she says verbatim because I Please. think it's so good. She says, and can we gamble here for real money? I mean, this isn't like one of those charity things where you think you're winning, but then you have to give it to cancer research or some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Um, original. Okay, so we uh, they're in. They, they walk into Frank's house. It's pretty pretty decked out. It it looks um it looks like someone uh put some effort into making a casino night at their house that they would like yeah, the, a casino night at somebody's house yeah right yeah there is sort of stereotypical looking sort of neon on the wall uh or i guess not but like generic looking uh neon on the wall there's like you know uh the uh, the craft table looks like it was like a um uh, a foosball table sort of yeah in fact you know they, they're even like still building the table as the game is going on right right you know? <laughs> um so the original offerings here at the at the casino plus a couple reinvestments as frank is doing sort of a monologue there's craps blackjack roulette double zero but that's fine uh poker <laughs> and then they reinvest and they get a comedy club sebastian maniscalco uh Scalco is the uh comedy <laughs> comedian there and he he it, it's such a s- short scene but they show this comedy club inside this there's one person in the audience sebastian maniscalco is actually like like truly performing to this one guy and he like he delivers a line so well that the one guy in the audience like spits out his food while he's eating it's so well done uh, and yeah. then, of course, there's there's drink service. Um, yeah. And it, it's as you see this comedy act, it's sort of the beginning of, OK, this is going to become more and more like a real casino yeah. to the point of, of ridiculousness. Right. I mean, it's so far fetched, but that's what's so fun about the movie. Too. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he's like they're, 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 I'm asking for more corn. And, and like there's this is a way he was, he was like, he's, stand up like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's selling this joke, and the guy yes. like this. Oh, it's so it's good, so good. Yeah, and you uh, see him, you know, after this, removing all the clocks from the walls, right. covering up the windows. You know, they're get, they're going to get serious here. Um, Frank ends up building a safe in the wall, um, and then has the great line: "People think they can actually win money at this place," um, which I think is just a great commentary on casinos uh, overall. Um, beef at the blackjack table um, is probably the most accurate dis- uh, depiction of a casino game at a blackjack table I've seen in any movie. <laughs> yes. uh, screw all the card counting scenes that you've seen in any movie. This is the most accurate blackjack scene I've ever seen because it's one guy arguing about the other one making plays that he shouldn't be making. Yep. And yep. It's little things like that that we appreciate this movie because, like, that's that's real gambling. Yeah, it was one great thing about this movie, for as ridiculous and far fetched as the story is, so much of the gambling action is accurate. <laughs> it really is true. You it's know, true. it rings true. Yeah. 
Uh, so there's this, uh, he's, he's like, oh, he's hitting hands. He shouldn't be or whatever. So they, then, then they start getting into an argument, throwing insults at each other because they're neighbors, right? Everybody knows each other. They're just, there's people in the neighborhood. So they're arguing about like who lent who, what tool or something like that. And then this turns into a, like an actual, uh, like scuffle and Frank quickly interrupts every, like two ladies even start arguing and slinging insults to each other. And Frank stops everything. He's like, no one is betting on this. And then everybody goes, Oh, unless you're betting with us. And then everybody <laughs> erupts. Uh, and then it cuts to, um, it cuts to the basement. This is the point. So I originally saw this movie when I was, um, uh, I was on an airplane and it was one of the, uh, movies available. This was the that was the point in the movie where I was like, I'm actually enjoying this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. We saw yep. it in the theater. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so you cut to they're down in like the basement or the lower part of the uh, um uh of the of the house. There's a chalkboard with showing the odds. Um, and the odds are actually they they they're okay right they're not like i don't yeah. know what the actual odds are here but they show that it's a one to five favorite uh with a three to one underdog yeah. which is yeah. actually a pretty typical take back for an underdog facing that heavy of a favorite so yeah I thought- yeah exactly yeah and there's some prop bets that you can't really make out the bottom it's like <laughs> what if they both end up crying or you know kind there's, of silly ones but yeah yeah there's one prop bet about a fighter getting a heart attack i couldn't see That's what the right. odds yeah. right were, yeah. But, yeah. yeah you couldn't see everything <laughs> yep <laughs> um reggie who's the favorite ends up winning with one punch um <laughs> then the ladies start uh start arguing and they get in the ring and uh the odds are slightly closer here and it ends up being an amazing fight uh <laughs> that ends up in a double headbutt knockout and frank looks at the board he's like well we don't have a profit covering that so i guess the house wins it all yep <laughs> It's so great. Oh my gosh. When that happened, seriously, watching it the first time, that's true. That's what happens. A double yep. knockout. <laughs> so yeah, just great. Um, so, uh, Frank, um, uh, was here. Are we, uh, a couple scenes later, we see as things are progressing, Frank has now update, uh, upgraded the casino environment with sort of making his pool area in the back. So a little bit more day clubbish. Yeah. Um, and then they now have a spa that he, that, uh, offers as he lists Swedish deep tissue and hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Just, no hiding it. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, Frank ends up catching a cheater, not a card counter, a legitimate cheater. Right. He's not just counting cards. He's using a device to count cards. Right. So he is cheating. Which, again, going to how accurate this is, Mm -hmm. a less informed production would have had someone counting cards and then have that guy backroomed. But they were smart enough to have the guy using a device to make him a legitimate uh, cheater in a way that everybody understood, right? Yeah. Everybody understands yes. card counting. And so just seeing the guy clicking, you don't have to know much about gambling to know that, oh, he must be counting cards. But if you're a gambler and you know what's going on, you're like, well, he is counting cards, but he's cheating because there's a device. And it makes, it it semi-legitimizes the, <laughs> the Isn't that funny? There, there's so many movies we watch, serious movies, Yep. where they just get so many things wrong when it comes to gambling. And here's a silly movie where they get so many things right. <laughs> yep. We watched a movie called Card Counter <laughs> about a guy who rarely counted cards. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, 
so they, they end up backrooming this guy, a legitimate cheater. Uh, the backroom, of course, being the garage. Um, and they're sort of, they're, they're unsure what to do about this. You can tell they want to like punish him, but they're, they don't want to like actually harm the guy. They get out an ax to be more intimidating. The guy flips them off saying, you're not going to be, you're not going to do anything to me. They start arguing with the ax and it slips out of someone's hand. And, uh, Will Ferrell's character accidentally swings the ax, cuts the guy's middle finger right off. <laughs> um, and Frank then, uh, ends up becoming known as the butcher. Uh, around town as he uh, has cut a guy's middle finger off. Right, and there's so much blood that comes out right (laughs) by the end of it. Howard is just covered in blood. The um, uh, Frank reveals that he's uh, been extending lines of credit to higher rollers, which, again, (laughs) is another thing where it's like, that is a legitimate, like, that's something that a, like, that a casino would do right and 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 uh uh will ferrell's like a little like take him he's like oh you really should have taught and then cedric yarborough's character comes in to pay up and like apologizes for being late and like uh uh will ferrell is sort of like oh it's okay buddy and then frank is like no man aren't you a little upset about this and uh scott will ferrell's character like goes like oh no hey don't let it happen again or you'll meet the butcher and like cedric yarborough gets it. cedric yarborough of course of 911 uh mm-hmm. or uh, reno 911 uh, fame yeah. um he does a great job uh sort of going like being like the like this timid guy like uh, so then they the three of them start running around literally running around town they go out jogging stopping at these uh houses and stores sort of intimidating people yeah suddenly they you know they're becoming like these mob yeah you know these uh mob owners uh casino owners yeah uh pay the line absolutely right uh the accurate gambling dynamics and is what made this otherwise so-so movie enjoyable to watch exactly right it's not a good movie i'm not telling anybody to go watch it but i will tell anybody who enjoys gambling it's a must watch. Even if yeah. you and even if you don't want to ever watch it again, that's fine. There's enough here to enjoy this movie that it's it's worth seeing. Yeah. Um they are um so they there's high rollers at their craps tables uh that's betting um uh, $1000 per roll and this is actually where we see Randall Park, Randall Park of um Fresh uh, off the boat. Fresh off the boat. Our, yes. On fresh TV, off the right? Which and, is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, Randall Park making this is the thing. It's such a small role, and there's Randall Park. Very small. Yeah. That's yeah. it's every, throughout the movie. Hey, there's that person. Hey, yep. that oh yeah, yeah. Constantly, yes. Uh does coke off of the table. And then when told he can't do coke off the table, he runs over to the light fixture and does coke off a light <laughs> fixture. <laughs> and then they show he's got a plate and he's made a picture of himself with coke on it. <laughs> so yeah, good. and at this point the casino is full blown. They don't have like you know homemade craps tables anymore. They have full ones. They've got surveillance cameras up, right? Yeah, there are cocktail waitresses going around. Yeah, uh, you know it's it, it's it's now really a casino. The art on the wall and you know all the fixtures and everything. <laughs> yep. Uh, but the casino gets busted. The local cop ends up sort of figuring it out. Um, uh, local cop played by, uh, Rob, uh, Rob Hubel, 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 yeah. um, who's, uh, who's another one of these guys that like never really got that a significant role, but you see him in so many things. Right. Like, oh, it's yes. that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That guy. Uh, um, he ends up, he ends up, uh, crashing the party. Nick Kroll, 
who plays the local councilman, then uh, shuts down the casino and takes all of their money. Uh, Nick Kroll, another guy fa- uh, famously known from the league, um, as mm-hmm. people know him from another great, uh, great, great actor yeah. um, who plays. He ta- Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so his character, Bob, he takes the money from the casino. We also find out, I think in a few earlier scenes, that it's not just that the money is going to this pool, this public swimming pool. That's not the only reason that they weren't able to give the scholarship to uh, Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler's daughter. It's because he's been embezzling from the city as well. Right. uh, And kind of hiding an affair that he's having with another council person. So, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, they're, they're without, they lost nearly, uh, $500,000. Um, they're without their money. They don't know. They don't, they don't know. None of them really know what, they, but then they start to decide, well, let's just do one more big push. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Let's get what, let's just see what we can get between now and getting busted again. Yeah. Um, so they go with one more big night. Uh, Jeremy Renner's character, who's sort of like this uh, racketeer, sort of bigger, like he he uh, the guy who gets his finger cut off from cheating works for Renner. Uh, Renner shows up and sort of crashes the party. And uh, long story short, it ends up with people getting caught on fire, people uh, getting their arms cut off. Uh, a whole yeah, they basically kill him. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the thing is that you're watching this movie. Oh, okay, he's dead. They yeah. killed this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's dead. Um, and uh, they don't get everything back. Uh, but they do because the whole place burns down. Uh, right. because of the fire. And uh, but they do end up getting uh Bob Nick Kroll's character sort of or they end up stealing from him essentially and right. frame him well enough that he's not going to stop them and right. uh that's how that's how the story ends the <laughs> this so this movie often comes up in gambling movie conversations yeah. and most people even gamblers reckon like they're like oh the movie's terrible yeah. when it comes to your point, when it comes to the oddly accurate gambling scenarios, not even like the little things of like, oh, did they get the, you know, the call bet raise thing right? Did they, but like it, like the fact that the cheater was actually cheating and it wasn't this, this mis, misperception that, that card counters are cheaters. It was the blackjack table argument starting with one player being mad that another player was hitting hands that he shouldn't be. Like these are the things that made this movie so relatable as yeah. a gambler the um okay two people are gonna fight on it why not just bet on the fight right like let's just bet on this and yeah. it's i i think that every gambler should watch this movie because you're gonna find that part of it entertaining look by the time by the time the movie's ending you're like i don't care about this like like the the the, the, the actual storyline by the time it's resolving, you're like, I, I, I'm not really invested in this. Right. Let's just get this over with, right? right? But there's so much good casino stuff throughout the entire movie. It's worth watching once. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. yeah the thing with comedies, comedies are sort of in a league of their own because they don't need to move the plot along. They don't yep. need to build characters, right? Comedies can just be funny. Yep. You know, there can be jokes in there that have nothing else to do with anything and if it's funny, that's okay. Yeah, there are great movies and legitimately great movie comedies. But, you know, some kind times a comedy just needs to be funny. And I was laughing consistently, constantly 
through this. The first time I watched it and just watching it recently. I'm yep. laughing the whole way through. And like you said, and like Pay the Line said, you know, the, the gambling is so accurate that you can forget about all the other ridiculous stuff that's going on because that's what, you know, you're having fun with it. So, yeah, thumbs yep. up. Uh, yes. So that is like, if you've seen it once, I'm not convincing you to like it. I'm not convincing you to tell that, to say it's a good movie. I recognize it's not a good movie. If, if someone who wasn't a gambler asked me if they should watch it. No, I don't think you should. Right. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't think, if, yeah, yeah. Nice. I don't think if you're, if you're not a gambler, I don't think you're going to enjoy this movie because you're not going to understand maybe why a lot of the gambling stuff's funny or find yeah. that stuff even interesting to begin with. And then yeah. let's, let's, like I said, the storyline, like I said, comedy plots don't need to be all that amazing. And this one definitely isn't. Yeah. And no. Yeah, um, Road Trip may be one of the few comedies where, like, I actually kind of found the, 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 like, I wanted to see how the story ended, right? Like, I'm trying to think of, like, comedies that were still sort of these sort of these dumb comedies where, like, that I actually care about sort of how the story ended. Uh, I, I can maybe count on one hand how many sort of, like, silly comedies like this I was maybe legit. Maybe, like, Tommy Boy, you know, because oh, that's okay. got some heart to it, right? Yeah. You know, and that kind of thing, right? That might be an example of a silly comedy with, you know has some heart and you know right. care so yeah okay. yeah um all right that's uh that is uncut gems that is the house uh as i mentioned on the last episode better viewing is moving to its own podcast feed and that will that will be established between now and the next time mark and i do this which will presumably be about four weeks from now Okay, and so just, you know, for people who are unfamiliar, when you say podcast feed, it's basically going to become its own podcast, separate That's from right. The Better Life. Yeah. That's right. Um, it'll have its own. It'll be called Better Viewing uh, with Timothy Lawson and Mark Duvall. I will load all of the previous episodes in there, um, so that way all of those are all in one feed, so people can back catalog if they want to. Um, but a large piece of feedback that I got at ZorkFest from a handful of listeners, and I imagine that uh they represent probably more people that weren't at Zorkfest in that while they enjoy our dynamic and while they enjoy our conversation if they hadn't seen the movie or, or tv show it was just difficult to get into the episode which i yeah. can understand sure um and for some people that meant that 25 percent of the episodes from the better life sort of missed and uh so wanting to deliver for people who enjoy this and wanting to deliver for people who are into traditional better life content just going to move this over to its own feed. Um, we will be doing this still again, at least monthly. If we get, if we, if, if we get, you know, springy, maybe every three weeks, who knows, who knows what was possible, but Sounds good. yeah, but we will, uh, I like doing this and mock. I know uh, you've expressed, you've enjoyed doing this. Um, we still have yep. luck to finish. We still have. <laughs> um, and what this, what this will definitely do is, you know, the, the origin of this idea was, when you when I watched shows like The Office, Rick and Morty, Community shows that I just love, and there's a little gambling reference, I'm like, ah, oh, that one's for me. Like that that reference is for people like me. Yeah, I want to be able to continue talking about those, but I understand not everybody has seen The Office. I understand not, and not, and I don't expect people to go watch that episode just to get the reference we talk about, right? Yeah, but right. If you're into right, right. this, if you're into what you what we're doing here. You're probably more likely to do that, and so I want to I want to sort of uh, niche this over a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's what's happening uh, with better viewing. Next time, I think we should just go back to luck. I thought about the I thought long okay. and hard. Um, I think we should. I think the next episode will go back to luck. Okay, so we've got there are nine episodes total, right? 
Yeah, we've and done four. We've done four. So we're going to do the next two and then. So, yep. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we'll do five and six. And then the last episode, we'll likely do seven, eight, nine. Okay. Or we'll no, when I say last episode, but like the last the, episode of us, we'll do yeah. seven, eight, nine. Or if as we watch it, we think we need more time, we'll do seven, eight, and then we'll do a separate nine, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. We'll see possibly. how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. I think we've uh, we've covered our shows. Got the admin notes down. Um, very good. I'll see you in Biloxi. I hope. Oh, I hope so. Is so. I so I heard. I heard Doctor Mike has been reduced from ninety five percent to ninety percent. I know. I I I forced him to you know say. And so don't be surprised if it next time. Oh, eighty five, maybe seventy five percent. Yeah. I don't know. He's blank. Well, we'll see. Uh, when he said ninety five percent, I thought, wow, that's that seems a little high. But hey, he's still. He's still planning on. I mean, he really is. When we're just talking, driving up to the casino, you know, he's he's intent on doing it. You just who knows, right? Yeah, nobody knows. So I put out a uh, I put a poll. I'm pretty sure you saw uh, mm-hmm. what gambling destination you're trying to get to. Um, I'm sure I know Biloxi is on your list. Is there any other like what what would be B like on a, on a list of uh, what would be number two uh, right behind Biloxi on? Jeez, yeah. Um what's the i'm drawing a blank what's the place relatively close to biloxi uh there oh uh, tunica Ch- oh tunica is what sure. i was thinking maybe tunica uh reno i don't mm-hmm. know you know biloxi's such a big one oh colorado maybe too now um yeah but biloxi's definitely top of the list um yeah biloxi blackhawk uh probably uh oh i just had oh people a lot of people brought up laughlin and i oh, am sure I've never been. Um, Laughlin has always been one of those things. Like, why would I leave my Vegas trip to go to to go right. to Laughlin? But now that I've been to Vegas enough times, I think maybe I could set a, set aside a day or two to go down there. Yeah, you know, it, I can understand people saying, "Why go to Laughlin when you can go to Vegas?" But yeah, you know, lower limits. I mean, there's still plenty of gambling there. Uh, you know, it's a little slower. <laughs> the The average age is probably a lot higher than uh, Vegas. But you know, there's if you're a gambler, you're gonna love it. So. Uh, set the line for over under on Groundhog Groundhog Day for Doctor Mike. I think it was saying, so the episode that you post after Groundhog Day, most recently after Groundhog Day. Okay, uh, I'm gonna set the line at seventy four and a half percent on <laughs> on on what he says his likelihood for Biloxi is. I will take the over. I'm gonna say that he's gonna still be optimistic. Okay, I'm gonna make a note here so that I continue to ask him every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Mark. It has been a pleasure. The pleasure's been mine. And uh, we will see everybody uh, next month in the new feed. Of course, I'll tweet it out. I'll make sure Mark knows about it so he can mention it on his show so everybody knows where to listen to next time. It'll still be streamed like it is here. It'll still be streamed on the Better Life YouTube channel like it is here. Just the podcast will be its own show in a different feed. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Bye. Bye. So uh, as I mentioned in that uh, conversation with Mark, Better Viewing is going to be moving to its own feed, pr- pretty much becoming its own show. A little bit more on that uh, towards the end of the of today's episode. Now, let's chat with Michael Traeger uh, to learn a little bit about ZorkFest uh, in review and what we can expect from a possible ZorkFest 2022. Michael Traeger of Zork Fest and Travel Zork fame. Uh, sir, how are you? It has been only three weeks since I've seen you, but it feels like it's been forever. 
I'm doing really well. Uh, there's a lot to process from having, you know, such a such a fun event with so much going on. And then also the fact that I left Vegas a few days later and then flew to Vermont and drove across the country with my daughter. <laughs> so that was, uh, it's been a long time. It's been a very, very interesting uh end of the year but yeah. uh, it's 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 great you know i mean it's it also gave me a lot of time to think about stuff so uh it's i would say overall very very positive and i gotta tell you driving across the country was pretty inspiring too yeah so let's uh overall impression now that you've had a time to think about it and it's sort of you had you had days in the car to just sort of let it to uh, mold around in your head looking back at zork fest 2021 uh, you originally launched, you really originally pitched it as sort of Zorkfest life, but I thought it was a nice full day of, of Zorkfest. Um, what, what you, what are your thoughts? How do you, how do you feel it went? I think it went really, really well. I think there are some areas that definitely could use a little bit of improvement. I also think more of the vision of Zorkfest is coming together. And I think part of that vision is also starting to include, you know, gambling, gambling instruction, and more conversation about gambling, in addition to the casino loyalty, you know, parallel to the travel stuff. And that's something, and, and I knew this coming into Zorkfest, a lot of people were saying, why can't we have a session talking about craps, you know, crap strategies and playing craps? Why can't we have a session about high gal poker? Why can't we have more sessions about video poker? So, I'm thinking that, you know, if we do this again, where there's a very likely chance that we will, that we need to incorporate those casino elements more because I think people want it. I'm definitely interested in it. And I think it's something nobody else is doing. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I think having a gambling track makes the most sense. So you can offer a little bit more like that. There was definitely enough interest where I think that people uh, would be into it. Um, you've uh, you know, people, uh, by the time they're hearing us talk, they've heard me and Mark Duvall sort of talk about sort of the, um, the happenings around Zorkfest outside of the conference, but inside of the conference, uh, we haven't really, I haven't spoke to anybody, uh, about, I only attended a couple, I poked my head in and out of some sessions. I was too busy preparing and then, uh, and then, um, uh, calming down from my, uh, two and a half hours of just straight talking. Um, I, for what I could tell from the mood and the vibe in the rooms that I was in, seemed like people were enjoying it. Um, I remember I sat in Anthony Curtis's session um, in the morning. That was a really great way to start it because I think it sort of gave like reminded people like, oh yeah, we're here for this stuff. And Anthony Curtis is a, a great showman in that way. Um, Podcaster Potluck was a nice full room. Better Life had uh, some loyal listeners in it and I enjoyed that. Uh, and then uh, I got the chance to, uh, to do the sort of, you know, um, gambling for greenhorns, uh, sort of session, which got a lot of, uh, big praise is, is there, uh, you know, as people were coming in and out of these sessions, um, what's one where you're like, Oh, that could be bigger. Is there one where you're like, uh, maybe next time that's not going to work. Like what were your, um, you know, for you personally, but either on it with feedback you got or just how you felt after being in the room. I think that we we need to simplify, possibly simplify the day a little bit more and make the sessions a little bit longer. So I think 
I think actually 50 minutes would be optimal, whereas most of the sessions were about, about 40 minutes. And I do think we complicated, we complicated things a little bit because uh, basically I created this extreme for the additional miles and points. And I think that confused, you know, you know, confused some people. So I, I don't want to do that this time. If we do it again, I want it to be super simple. I want there to be three sessions running at the same time. I want one of them to be the gambling casino loyalty track. I want the other two to be the miles and points and more advanced miles and points. And basically we've got three rooms running at the same time. Everything starts on the hour, ends at 50 minutes after the hour. The next one starts on the hour, just so that's the little, you know, it flows, it flows a little bit better that way. I also, I mean, I've taken some feedback from people, uh, a couple of things that I think are really important. I really want to kick up the group gambling in a very organized way. And I didn't really plan any of that for this Zork Fest. We taught, we did the, we sort of pulled together the crap session at the end. And we absolutely learned that reserving a craps table and trying to put 14 people with significant buy-ins at a craps table isn't going to work. <laughs> so we, we've learned that, but I would like there to be, I would like there to be multiple types of group, uh, group play sessions where we have reserved tables. Optimally, I'd also like to do some kind of multi-game tournament. And I didn't push for a lot of that because we weren't sure how many people were going to come. There wasn't that much time. But, you know, my thought now on Friday night, I want to have an expanded meet and greet cocktail hour, hopefully have something great like Oscar Goodman again, you know, for a couple of hours and then not have a dinner on Friday night. And then afterwards, slot polls, group gambling, and then start Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning and then have a dinner on Saturday night and more group gambling, and then also do something group gambling wise on Sunday morning. And that's, you know, just sort of simplifying it a, a little bit, but focusing a little bit more on, on the group gambling, because I think there's a lot there. And I also think tournaments are, are super fun. So I, I mean, there's, there are a lot of work, but I think it would be great. I've always loved the idea of having a multi-game tournament where you do like blackjack, roulette uh you know that kind of thing maybe craps blackjack and roulette and then you know and you advance and get a certain number of points in each one and you get a trophy for winning it you know the you know all of the tournament tournaments and things like that so that's that's what i'm thinking so i um can i give you can i give you my initial thoughts on that right now sure is that okay of here's course. here's my call if when you arrange that you'll probably get a good amount of interest, but I think the people who will be really interested are the people who aren't actually gamblers and they just sort of want to like try play, play these games and have fun. I think the people that enjoy running up and down uh, downtown to like just throw dice at Golden Gate and do those, I think the second that they sort of, like if they're not feeling the tournament, they're going to get itchy to just want to be like in a back, back or like at a normal play table playing their game. Um, so it, I think you're, I think the, I think, the idea will be fun. I think you make you may not get as many actual gamblers uh, excited about that as maybe you would want. What do you think about group gambling? So, what do you think about more reserved tables for? So, I think like group gambling blackjack. perfect. So here's so here's <laughs> the thing about tournaments versus group gaming. What makes group gaming fun is when it's going well, it's fun for everybody. But in a tournament, 
it doesn't go well for everybody. You're competing against each other, right? It's, it's, this, it's a very different dynamic. You're trying to like beat the people at the table. The camaraderie isn't there. If it, if it's uh, a tournament can uh, be fun. I, I've, I've enjoyed blackjack tournaments. Uh, craps tournaments are very difficult. Uh, they're different. They're difficult to structure. Um, but I think when it comes to group gaming inside of events inside this community, I think you want, you want the camaraderie and the excitement to be the, the focus, the focal point. And that happens at a cash game. It doesn't happen in a tournament. Okay. And that might be a really, you know, sometimes simpler is better, right? Yep. Just having more reserved Ta- tables. I'm and taking the ability to do it. I was gonna say, I'm, t- I'm taking a headache off of your, t- off of the table for you right now, Michael, don't worry about structuring a tournament, just reserve, have a couple, here's the thing, the, the, and, and you're right. Reserving a table is the key there because there's nothing more frustrating than having eight people ready to gamble. And we can't find a place to play, right? We can't find a table that can fit more than two people. We can't find a crafts table that can fit more than four people. Right. So I would put your energy, your group gambling energy into just securing tables for people to be at versus trying to structure some sort of tournament format. You know what? And that makes a lot of sense. And probably pretty much so any card game is going to be easier to structure, especially now that I think Plaza is pretty happy with what we did. I think any card game that just requires one dealer is going to be easier to structure. I mean, the problem with craps is it's just too many employees, right? I mean, that's just, uh, I mean, what was interesting about craps, and I usually am always thinking about things, I never realized how badly it would go if you had that full of a table with everybody with a decent buy-in. Because I, I never really thought about it. And I think quite frankly, to pull off a craps table, I, I think most dealers don't have 14 people at a table who most of them, let's say 10 of them really like to play dice and they all bought in for more than a thousand dollars. I think downtown, they just don't have many tables where you have, I mean, 14 people is a lot of people. And I think you almost would need the dream team of dealers <laughs> to be able so, to pull off something like that. Here, um uh this is i i know when working with the property a big sell is we're bringing gamblers into the property but if look they're craft dealer like they're just not they're just not prepared to deal with a full table they're just not i mean walk around the plaza and the busiest of nights you might see four to a side on their crafts table on a Friday, Saturday night, right? Like their crafts dealers just aren't, aren't ready to deal with full tables. Um, their pie gal dealers, they're good. Um, I, we, you know, when we had that hour pie gal session, that, I mean, that worked fine. Uh, their blackjack dealers are good. Their craft dealers are not, as you pointed out, they're just, they're, they're not ready for seven to a <laughs> seven to a side. <laughs> No, and craps is, you know, and I think we discussed this a little bit after afterwards because I find it fascinating. <clears throat> to me, craps is one of those games. When you get those really, really good dealers, it's magical, right? At a full table. And they just, it's just like out of the corner of their eye. They just have, they just have everything going. But I never, uh, so yeah, so we've learned a decent amount from that. What do you think about, <clears throat> I mean, I think the plaza is a pretty good venue overall because it ticks it ticks a lot of boxes. I mean, I have gotten so this is the third time we're doing a Zorg Fest. 
we did one at Tra- Treasure Island, which had a brand new conference center, very bougie, really, really nice. Their conference center is amazing. And then the one before that, we did that in Bally's Atlantic City, which is the opposite of bougie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, you know, a lot of people, the first thing is like, hey, can you do something on the strip? And it's it's pretty much so next to, it's pretty much so next to impossible just because the conference facilities are so expensive. And I really like the idea of downtown because you can walk to so many other casinos and I think it's accessible to a lot of people. The the gambling at Plaza just isn't as good as it is across the street. And that, that was the tough part. And so I guess maybe to solve my own problem, it would be, I think we need to let Plaza know what games we have. Like we could have filled that Pi Gal table seven hours a night on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know what I mean? Like there was enough people around that, you know, um, that we, we just, we would, we could have just sat there. It was a $15 face up table. We were quarter players already, right? A lot of us were already playing quarter at those tables. Anyways, it would be, it would have been worth their time to open it. Um, I just don't know if they were aware, maybe they, maybe they were, didn't like to your point, didn't have the staff. No, no. I think, I think you've nailed it right there. I mean, I took a very humble approach you know, in doing Zorkfest with, uh, with Plaza and Plaza was very supportive and provided, you know, some financial support for the event. I'm not the kind of guy who likes to oversell something, right. you know, so I didn't want to oversell like, Hey, you're going to have a lot of guys here who want to play pie gal poker. You're going to have a lot more action than you're used to, because I sort of feel when you haven't had an event somewhere and Jonathan's been really supportive and everyone, I don't want to like, and I had no idea, were we going to have, I don't know, we're going to wind up having 30 people and it was going to be a glorified meetup right. or we were going to have close to 150 people in totality with all the slot pulls and everything. I had no idea. So I didn't want to oversell it partially because I, I wanted to, you know, it's just not the way that I operate now. I'm going into this a lot differently because now I'm going into it exactly with the philosophy you have. It's like, guys, you're going to need to schedule someone to have these pie cow poker tables open because we've got players for it. So like, it's not like I'm thinking we have players. It's like, I know we have players. So let's get that scheduled in advance so that everybody knows about it because you're a casino and tables that are full it's worthwhile to have dealers working those shifts. I mean, yep. hey, just like a casino does it on New Year's Eve, right? There are a lot more tables open on New Year's Eve than other time of year. Why? Because they schedule people. So yep. I would not, now I'm not going to be very shy about that and say, hey, we've got the people who want to do this stuff. So let's, you know, let's make it work. And then of course, our job is to communicate to people and get them to sign up for the tables, you know, just so that we have some idea what's happening and make people know what's going on. But I think, you know, I think that kind of thing, you know, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right about it. And I think that's something we could definitely correct and definitely discuss. And, and I think that's definitely something that could be worked out. The gambling that I did away from Plaza that weekend was I played slots away from Plaza because Plaza slots were never, <laughs> they were never advantageous. So I never played them there. Um, I played face up Pi Gao at Circa because the table at, Sur- at, Pl- or at Plaza wasn't open when it needed to be. And then we occasionally, I think we, we had one session of craps at 
uh, Golden Gate just to get out of Plaza, right? Like we had spent all, we had spent almost, you know, a day and a half like solely in Plaza. You mean, you mean, uh, you mean the one with the 45 minute roll before dinner that I had yeah. to hear about from everyone? Yes, it was beautiful, Traeger. <laughs> it was beautiful. I wasn't even playing all that aggressively and I did, I did wonderful. I mean, Jack was next to me and he was, I mean, I watched his, his stack go from modest to just like f- this rack was full at the end of it. It was great. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. I think um, thinking about the podcaster events and the panels and stuff like that, I think, I think if you want to, if you want to feature a podcast, right, if you want like a podcast to sort of like have an event, I think maybe they could be a, like you mentioned, an end of event, like end of the day thing, where maybe it's like a cocktail reception with the, with the live podcast occurring, right? Everybody grab your drink and let's watch, you know, Mark and Dr. Mike chat or whatever it is. And then I think in your, the discussions during the day, like we had with podcast or potluck and the better life live, where it's like sort of a panel, I think you can have a podcaster host that you could probably even have a podcaster be a part of it. But I also think we can start pulling expertise from people who aren't necessarily content creators as well. Right. Like I think, um, you know, a, a, a points in, you know, I, I shouldn't speak on points and miles, but like the, the Vegas panel could have a host on it. The gambling pot, the gambling panel, uh, could have a, uh, you know, a Curtis or a Munchkin or someone like that on it. Uh, I don't know if Munchkin would want to do a panel, but, um, like you, you don't necessarily, um, I think if you're looking at panel thematic panels, I think it doesn't have to be podcasters for the sake of bringing fans of podcasters. And I think ha- making sure that there's experts on the panel outside of content creators, I think would be just as valuable. No, this sounds great. And honestly, when I was looking at the schedule, you know, to do something for this year, I really want to start at 10 a.m. and have the three rooms running. And then I want to end the day from 5 p.m. So obviously, if you started at 10 a.m., you have to end at 7 p.m. because we want to get a full day in. Uh, But then starting at 5 p.m., the casino room would become the podcaster room from 5 to 7. And I think you nailed it right there. We've got a cash bar going on there. So you can have cocktails and you've got the panels. And then right after that, that's two hours and you can run over a few minutes. And then we have the optional dinner at 730 or people can go get dinner. So you have a natural dinner break. And then from nine o'clock onwards, we've got slot polls and group gambling. And I, I think that actually will roll into a nice end of the day. And it will also allow us for those who just want to do the podcaster stuff, they can sort of show up at five o'clock, they could come to dinner and they could do group gambling. And I think that's, that's a really smart way to do it. We did in the last Sorkfest, we were able to work out the bar. And that's one thing we didn't have during the day. And part of that was like staffing and minimums. But I do think having a bar open from three o'clock in the afternoon really helps and rolling that into the podcaster thing. I think it makes it really enjoyable. So I I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think also ending the day that way is, is sort of a cool way to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also on top of that, for people who don't want it or do something, then they can cut the day short if there's no other session they want and they can do from 10 to four and then just go on with their day. And I, I think that would work really well. One of the things I would say is we really do want feedback. I know you want feedback. I want feedback from people. I want to hear what you want for group gambling. I want to hear what you think works. 
I want to hear, you know, your opinions on all of that stuff. I mean, the more opinions, good, bad, and different that we get, the easier it makes us to make decisions. The one thing I have gotten from a few people, which I'm pretty steadfast on not doing, is making it a multi-day event with regard to the educational sessions, because in my experience, it's a Vegas weekend. You can do one day of stuff on Saturday, but people need their Sunday free, you know, to watch sports, I, to do. I think it's just, it's, it's a mistake to try to make it like a shorter day, to split the sessions between Saturday and Sunday. I just think that's a huge mistake. I think the way you did it was perfect, worked perfectly with having a, a, an item or two the Friday night to sort of get everybody sort of together, acclimated to be around each other, and then just a full day Saturday of everything. And then everybody can do what they want. But, and I appreciated that because I had like, we had content to make on Sunday. I had meetings with people like, like there was like, I had to get stuff done on Sunday. I mean, doing these kind of events in hotels, especially if we want gambling and good room rates and all of that kind of stuff means we need to choose a Vegas weekend that isn't really busy. Yeah. And right now, there's really not such a thing. I would say maybe Thanksgiving weekend, but that wouldn't work. You know, I mean, if somebody has an idea, but I can't think of it pretty much so. There's barely any Vegas weekends that are going to work. That no, that I, would be a, a slow weekend. So um, we've talked. We've we've spoken about some things in hindsight. We're projecting forward a little bit. Um, what do you? Th what are the odds? Michael, are we, can we expect there to be a Zork Fest 2022 at some point this year? I think the odds are very good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> good. I, I, I think the odds are very good. And I think uh, odds wise, uh, I think we're going to make a decision rather quickly because I believe that, you know, we, we just need the time to be able to do it. And of course, you know, I want you involved. Tim, because you tell me you're not being involved and the whole thing's done. You know, that's all I, I, uh, <laughs> I will be involved as I will, I will lead a panel. I will lead a session and I will help uh, gamble <laughs> in and around the property. <laughs> we got to We got to twist your arm to be there uh, for, for gambling. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so any I, other great, any other good gambling stories from just specifically Zork Fest weekend from like Friday to Monday, I know about the great craps role, but is there any other like great gambling story that I missed that I, that I would have wanted to hear about? Uh, no, I mean, you know, Eric and I, Eric, Mark and I played at Circa, uh, played Pie at Circa a little bit, but it, it was sort of up and down. Um, but I look forward to uh, Zorkfest 2022. I guess the, I guess the, the, the last big question I'd have for you here is if for some reason Plaza can't host it, does that, does that torpedo the idea or would you be determined to make it happen elsewhere? I'm determined to look at it. You know, I mean, I, from a logistic standpoint, it, I think things overall, big picture, work pretty well at Plaza, and you get a lot of goodness from being able to host a similar event, you know, in the next year, because you, there's a lot of things you just know about at the, at the venue that you can do, just a lot of the things that we're talking about. But I would say uh, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty open. I mean, we just have to, we have to look at it. A lot of it is, a lot of it is the economics because it's, it's just can get really, really complicated. And quite frankly, 
you know, the plaza is very supportive of our community, of the vloggers, of the podcasters. And that really means, you know, that really means a lot. And that that is that is something that, you know, I take into account. So we'll see. But I wouldn't say, you know, nothing is definitive in, in any direction. I know that doesn't really answer it. But I mean, that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty okay. All right, I am excited for a potential Zorkfest 2022. I, of course, will intend on being there, as it, it appears I am uh, going to help uh, arrange this one again, specifically uh, in the gambling track, possibly the podcaster part. Uh, looking forward to that. Updates coming here as soon as we have anything later in the year. All right, let's talk the better life. Uh, let's talk plans moving forward. Let's talk 2022. Uh, let's start first with um, uh, a merch drop that just happened since I just got done talking to Michael Traeger. Traeger uh, kind of coined the term coffee dice, which is the experience of playing craps in the morning with your cup of coffee sort of to start your day, um, ideally at as cheap of a table as you can find. Um, to commemorate this great term, I... Uh, I created a coffee mug. It's it's a tumbler more, I guess, uh, it, with a coffee dice um, uh, printed on the side of that. It's a black 12-ounce coffee tumbler uh, with a lid. Keeps your coffee nice and hot. Uh, I decided to go 12-ounce versus anything larger because I wanted it to be easy to sort of travel and carry um, sort of in and around the casino. A good size if you're someone who maybe makes your coffee in the hotel room with like the little coffee maker they have there. So this is this is perfect for that to then bring down to the table, play some coffee dice, and then uh, get about your day. That is available at the store, uh, bettermerch.com. Uh, it is available there. Uh, a handful of you have already ordered it and getting that, that out this weekend. Thank you all for your support. Of course, um, tip your dealer shirts, uh, keep calm and throw dice. I'm sorry, that's not in the store anymore. Uh, I need to re-up the keep calm and throw dice design. Um, the struggle is real video poker shirts, etc. All still available in the shop, bettermerch.com. Let's start with, uh, well, let's move on to what's happening with the feed. So this feed, not going anywhere. Better life podcast. Stay right here. If you're enjoying everything, this is the place to be. The changes that are being made sort of in a peripheral of, of the Better Life podcast is Better Viewing is going to be getting its own feed, meaning it's going to become its own show. It'll still be monthly, maybe more frequent, frequent if Mark and I get inspired, we find that opportunity. But Enough people have expressed that better viewing sort of disrupts the sort of flow of the weekly content, that it's not that they don't always or often find, find themselves not enjoying it because they haven't watched the show yet or they can't really get into it because of that. Whatever, whatever word, I know a lot of you do like it for uh, whatever, to simplify everything, uh, moving better viewing over to another feed becoming its own show. Once that's set up, and then I'll have, I'll ha that'll be set up before the next better viewing, which should be the first week of February. Uh, I will make sure to announce that, how to find it, how to subscribe to it, make sure Mark has that information so his followers and listeners can do the same thing. Uh, but I think this is the right next step for better viewing and a good, uh, good decision for the podcast, uh, the Better Life podcast feed uh, in general. The other thing that's happening is. 
sports and casino episodes are going to become more focused on our particular topic within the episode, uh, they will hopefully be uh, sort of um, routinely altering. Uh, so casino sports, casino sports, casino sports, trip reports and event recaps and stuff like that may disrupt that a little bit. But for the most part, my plan is to sort of have this altering casino sports, casino sports, casino sports. Cause um, I know that there are people who enjoy one more than the other. And one thing that I tried doing for, I mean, the last three years, um, Eric's, even when Eric was on, um, was try to, in each episode, have this balance of both talking about casino and sports, right? And I'm sure a lot of people, if you listened to episodes where I would have a sports better on, I'd ask about the casino stuff. And if they had anything, I'd boom, I'd want that story because I want the casino people to be spoken to. And vice versa, if casino people are on, I ask them if they've been on sports. And if they do, boom, please tell me about that too so we can... So, but rather than trying to satisfy everybody's sort of uh, preferred gambling in every episode, I want to focus more on each topic. Of course, there's going to be some overlap every and, and because there's going to be casino people who bet on sports, vice versa. But it's going to be, especially when you think about my monologue, when you think about the, the like event things I talk about, stuff like, I want, if I'm having a sports better on, I want that episode then to focus on sports, maybe an update on the features I've made, maybe a recent story on a game that I just, uh, that I've played and it won or lost in dramatic fashion, whatever it may be. I want to be able to focus all of that in one episode. If you're someone who enjoys all of that, boom, stay right here. You're you're in the right spot. But I am also going to open up two new feeds, the Better Life Sports and the Better Life Casino. So that way those episodes then can go in their appropriate feed. And if you're someone who truly only comes in for one or the other, you can then subscribe to those and you don't have to worry about sort of um, you know, sort of filtering through and like chat like, oh, is this one for me? I don't know. You know that if it's hitting that feed, that is a sports-focused episode, or it's a casino-focused episode. You'll just know. Um, nothing else is changing to the Better Life podcast feed that you're listening to this listening uh, to this episode on now. I'm just expanding that just a little bit with more focus each episode, so that way I can deliver a little bit more strongly to uh people who have specific preferences while also delivering the overall look at the better life for everybody who's just into all of it um yeah so that's what's happening with uh the podcast feeds patreon patreon the nine dollar level is currently called better box and the intent was the idea was take this better santa type concept and embrace this sort of quarterly, monthly subscriber box crate like thing that so many people do and see if we could do it with gambling themed content. Well, after doing my third Better Santa, I realized that it's actually really difficult to curate gambling themed gifts because one, there's not a lot of good stuff out there. That was actually one thing that I struggled with this time. And uh, which is why I designed, you know, last year, 
you know, I designed my own shirt for the, as one of the gifts. Um, uh, you know, I, I try to create what I want, uh, what I think would be cool, but it's going to be difficult to do that in a way where I can curate a box every quarter. So the better box $9 pledge level is going to turn into an ambassador pledge level. And what that means is if you are on that pledge level, the $9, once a quarter, you can just choose from something from the store and have it uh, from the better from the better life uh, merchandise. Uh, you just get it. Like at the end of a quarter, I'd be like, hey, uh, thanks for being a supporter. Is there anything from the store you'd like? It can be the same thing you got last time. It can be something that just, just released. It could be something that's been around for a few years and now you decide you want one. And there's really no limit. Like you can choose a t-shirt, you can choose the mug, you can choose a sweatshirt. There's really no, there's, there, there would be no real limits on better box. $9 uh, spot is going to be turning, turning into uh, an ambassador level. It's still going to be $9 from now until uh, January 31st. Once the February pledges are complete, uh, I'm actually going to stop enrollment on the $9 pledge level and that and a new ambassador level will actually be opened at a slightly larger amount. But I want people who are I want the people who are interested in this who 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 want to get on board and the people who have been around to have that valuable $9 pledge level um, to have that opportunity. And then uh, it'll, uh, and then you, you'll still be there in February. Just no one else will be able to join at the $9 level. They'll have to go to the higher level, which I haven't quite decided yet what that next level is going to be. But I can tell you it's not going to be $9. It'll be uh, probably 12 to 15 So that's what's happening there. The other Patreon update is that daily audio is going to turn into daily content. And what that means is uh, any medium, uh, it could be a quick written paragraph, it could be a photo. Um, the I'll still continue doing audio. That audio can still be used to, you know, you can still uh, feed that into your podcast player of choice. I'll, I'll post another update on or uh, the sort of steps on how to do that. But... Um, and if I'm being completely honest, uh, you know, the, the daily content will, it may be stuff that I am sort of creating or preparing for future content for the brand elsewhere, whether it's a video podcast, um, you know, photo series, maybe update on new merchandise, something like that, but it will be. Uh, it may also be stuff that while creating something, I decided not to use. So here's maybe here's an audio clip from an interview that didn't make the public podcast, but um, you know, I maybe someone thinks it's interesting and I'll post it here. Or here's um, an audio series on my five favorite things about the plaza, and that turns into a blog later down the road. Um, I know that Patreon often used for exclusive content, and I've tried that, but in a oh, what's the right way to in a in a, with a topic like casino gaming, sports betting, etc., where in the end there does sort of become this finite amount of things to generally talk on, even specifically talk on. It is difficult for me to provide exclusive content 
um, without then limiting myself publicly where I am trying to grow the brand and, uh, and continue to deliver for uh, my grander audience. And so I put a lot of thought into this in the past month to think what's what may still be appealing to people supporting me on Patreon, people who are supporting me otherwise. And I decided that maybe, uh, you know, still doing daily content for people who like to consume casino, betting, you know, gambling-related content on uh, on the regular who want to sort of get that sort of fix in while also not limiting myself and to be honest, giving myself sort of a runway of maybe producing other content, that this is the happy medium to that. So if you enjoy if you enjoy gambling, casino, sports betting content uh, the way that I do, and you want uh, you know want more than just uh, a podcast every week, then Patreon.com/slash/TheBetterLife a two dollar pledge uh, will get you access to this, um, this, you know, daily content. And, uh, I know, you know, some people, like I said, some people have mentioned that it's difficult to get on Patreon to like, you know, they they don't want to bother like going there to like, I understand that. Um, this is just in looking for ways, you know, people ask, how can I support the show? That's a real question that I get. Uh, and I, I'm still trying to answer that question, uh, easily without the default just being, well, I have this Patreon. Um, so, uh, other ways you can support this show, to be honest, uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the better life. You can, uh, leave a rating. Um, you don't have to leave a, leave a review, just leave a rating, uh, and iTunes, um, you know, follow on social at the better life. These are ways that, uh, support the show. But, um, those are updates on Patreon, merch the brand what else the feed the podcast all that 2022 here's what it's looking like um i intend on being there in october for g2e i will be there towards the end of the year probably december if that's when it ends up happening for zorkfest 2022 assuming that happens um and i will likely be in vegas sometime in the first half of 2022 i don't know quite when yet and for what it depends on what community events do and don't happen biloxi is happening in the first weekend of april uh i get in i believe march 31st i'm there till the 4th of april i will be staying at bow uh, and I will likely be doing sort of the sort of the run of events that Mississippi Rob has arranged. If if you're curious about that, you can go on his uh, on his Twitter at Mississippi Rob Four, I believe. I believe he is the fourth of the Mississippi Robs on Twitter. Let me, uh, yeah, Mississippi Rob Four. Um, he has sort of an agenda sort of laid out. I will pretty much just be following that, um, and that's what I'll be doing. So if you want to come and hang out. That's a great time, great place and time to do it. I really don't know where else I'm going to end up in 2022, but I am looking to do day trips, overnights, stuff like that uh, on the East Coast, maybe in my region, um, and then maybe one or two sort of on the other side, uh, either, you know, Vegas, I'd like to visit Blackhawk, um, 
And one one thing that I'm hoping to do in spring of 2022 is uh, a meetup in the Pittsburgh area, probably probably Rivers Casino, and pair that with a sort of uh, trip to the Pittsburgh River Hounds game, uh, which is just nearby. USL match for people who know I like betting the USL. I also like watching soccer matches, so um, that'll be hopefully something uh, I do later this year um in in spring okay uh i've been rambling on for quite some time um i'm even getting kind of sick of hearing myself talk so i can only imagine how the rest of you feel uh thank you everybody for your support uh i do have a few videos that i have in the tuck that i'm hoping to roll out soon one of them being uh our pi gal game at our our pi gal session at plaza uh plus a couple others that i've been preparing thanks for everybody who had kind words to say about the video i put out on uh on gail alexander in his busy week especially his thursdays during the nfl season that was a lot of fun to put together appreciate everybody's uh um sharing that and providing uh kind words on that um and i hope to do more of that in the future Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Mark Duvall, Michael Traeger, I am Timothy Lawson. Good night and good luck.